Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is episode 15, recorded March 19th, 2019. The topic is the Marasena Part 2. I am Elmist. This is Hyven. This is Mrs. Hyven. All right. Podcast news. It's the usual stuff. You know, we encourage feedback. We want feedback. Guys, um, we got feedback this week. Yeah, like we got a review and a... Yeah. And somebody who reached out to me on Twitter. So, like, yeah. Thank you, everyone. Especially that review. I mean, the person said they kind of got back into the game after our Drifter episode. So that was awesome. Wait, 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 wait. Good. Considering it was episode. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Once again, we got people into the game. But I also really like that that was our first episode and that's the season that's kind of happening right now. So I feel like it was the perfect time for that person yeah. to jump back in based off that topic. So that was awesome. And, you know, uh, the other person from Twitter, let's see, Joey from Twitter, just reaching out saying, you know, he finds himself reading the books along with us. I like so that, that was, one. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So we got it's feedback. Like, but guys, somebody it, send Elmas an email. He really wants an email other than Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get them all the time, but it's just Microsoft. Yeah, it's just Microsoft. Just, <laughs> yeah, and if you don't like to give reviews, just give us some thumbs up. See if we can have more people discover us on whatever the podcast feed of choice would be. I suppose Apple Podcast and Google Play would probably be the two places to get us the most out there. But anything. Yeah, I, I know I listen. I listen to ours and other podcasts through the Overcast app. I really like it. Hyven actually got me on it, but I don't believe you can review rate. on there. Yeah. Nope. I, go to, I, I also have Apple Podcasts downloaded and I rate podcasts through that. Yep. Same. Oh, wait, I have one more thing in podcast news. Oh, okay. okay. We got our puppy. And that's podcast news because our dogs are a part of this. Dang it. <laughs> yes, she's, we She's did. fabulous. She's tinier than we expected, you guys. She's four pounds. And, <laughs> and <laughs> sorry, Elemis is writing in the note. Welcome home, Kona, with exclamation points. So I have to read it really excitedly. Um, but yes, yeah, so we got little You're Miss Kona. So monotone. Uh, she came from where Alamis was also from. So you know it's good places. We got her from California. So yeah, no, it was really exciting. And she's she four is. pounds. She's ten week old ten weeks old. Teeny little hyper thing that when she starts playing, she's really loud. So she's very sleepy right now, and we hope to keep her that way every recording, but <laughs> Literally rocking her right now in the chair. And I know because everyone's so concerned. It's the question on everyone's mind. Yes, her and Callie are getting along nicely. Just to update. <laughs> I don't have my Destiny fashion corner. I have my puppy corner. <laughs> so, yeah, we do have a really sleepy right now. But if you start to hear a little yapping in the background, we have a new little one. And we're all very excited about her. And Elmas is going to come meet her soon. <laughs> and oh, also, yeah, for sure, man. Got to come on over. And then I also want to apologize for our late episode because I was broken. Oh, so. yeah. 
It's yeah. not even late because we got a We're puppy. Back. Ivan, like I said on Twitter, more injury at the Hyven household. This time it was not me. However, I have hit my head three more times in the last week. So yeah. might have to start wearing a helmet. Although at work we decided I'm going to start wearing a top hat. That way it gets hit first and I just look super fancy. Um, <laughs> but yes, Hyven had some muscle spasms in his back and was unable to even sit up to record on Saturday and yes. Sunday. I got frozen neck that wouldn't move for about four days. So yeah, but yeah. we're welcome back and you don't need to worry about all that kind of logistics. Yeah, and our, our next podcast should be on time. So you'll just get two closer together. A little less anticipation now. Yeah. Left you on a longer cliffhanger than we were expecting to, though. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, then... Okay, now now you can move on to stuff you may have missed in Destiny. I had to give See, Kona she a just shout. really wants to host. She one, was go- joking moment, about it moment. earlier, but Kona needed her shouts, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, oh my god! Sit her top hat. Oh my god! I'm gonna post this picture on Twitter so everybody understands. What Elemis just sent me. It's, it's a top hat helmet looking thing. I'm going to buy that and start wearing it. it. It'll be totally normal. Right. So look uh-huh. on Twitter for the perfect picture that, that Elemis found. Cursey of his, as he calls it, Uncle Google. All right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so stuff you may have missed in Destiny. Yeah, there was quite a bit this past week. Tier 3 of The Reckoning, which I didn't add to the, the show notes. Um, there was the Thorn Quest, which I have my Thorn right now. It's, it is... I feel so dredging right now. <laughs> I and unfortunately don't. And I'm especially since, since I'm on a Titan. Yeah. What are you going like, to be when you're done with your path? Classless. Absolutely. People are going to argue about it all the time. Uh, <laughs> and I hope to finish my Thorn Quest maybe this day or tomorrow. Not that you know a day. Well, you do know the date because we read it, but yeah. Being crippled really put a damper on me finishing the stuff that we'll talk about. So I look forward to finishing these things off. Yep. There was also the Allegiance Quest. You had to choose the Drifter or the Vanguard. Although I feel like that was kind of a... Simplification like for the larger audience, maybe? Well, like, I feel like that's that's kind of misleading because it's not truly the Vanguard. I agree. Uh, one of my clanmates <clears throat> was talking about that, and he was complaining about how, no, 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 it, you're choosing between the Drifter and Honor. You're not choosing between the Drifter and the Vanguard, which I I agree with. Yeah, because you're feeding her information throughout. It's cool. Everyone would have gotten the first five cards for yep. the, the lore book about her. But if you continue down the path, you'll get the rest of the book. And it even talks about your guardian feeding her information and stuff, which is kind of cool. But specifically, you feed information to her. And she... While she talks about how she has to listen to the Vanguard, many times she talks about trying to take things into her own hands as part of the Praxic Order. So I also agree that that is not 
exactly the vanguard because she's maybe not quite a radicalist, but she's like a, almost like a separate faction of the vanguard and the consensus. So that's kind of my take on it. Yeah. The cool thing, though, we found out today is that depending on who you sided with, and you can side with each side on different characters, but depending on who you side with, you actually can get weekly stuff. Like if you side with the Drifter, you get one of each of the... Uh... Oh, what what are they called? Oh, the packages? The Vanguard package? and the... Yeah. Well, like, it, it's those little tags that you actually turn into the motes that you use for the Reckoning. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, um... Yeah, yeah I cannot... For think the really... life of me, I can't remember what they're called. They look like little moats, but yeah, it's really handy if you pick Drifter, because you get that. Yeah, I think you kind of get screwed a little bit if you pick Vanguard. You just get... Well, you get a Masterwork Core, I want to say, which is not horrible. And then I was really excited about the last thing on our, our list. The Invitations of the Nine. It was obtained from Zer on Thursday. Friday. Um, (laughs) I was really hoping that was a pun about Thursday. (laughs) I know. That was kind of disappointing. I really wanted that to be Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sorry to disappoint. Makes sense. (laughs) You should write Bungie. It it really would. Um, No, it's okay. Actually, no. Shout out to Bungie. They do enough. You know what? Bungie, you name whatever day you want to name. I've been reading so much on Twitter about people just bashing, you know, the developers. And I've been really, like, appreciating all of, like, the Twitter people who are like, uh, no, developers are people too. Like, things happen. Stop being so mean. Like, somebody said something. They ran into somebody at a grocery store of all places who had – did you see that Twitter or that tweet? I did. They, yeah, they ran it, and somebody literally they they thanked them for basically all their hard work in developing Anthem. And the guy told her, you know, thanks. It's nice to hear something positive. And she said that broke her heart that that was his response, um, only to have somebody then reply to her <clears> tweet and be like, "It was in development for six years. No excuses." And I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, cause you're perfect. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's a little hard for a game like Anthem that doesn't have a track record. Unfortunately, in today's market, if you don't have a, a good go at the beginning, you don't get the support. I've purchased Anthem. I haven't played a lot of it. I'm kind of waiting for it to, to get its feet, but I hope it gets good. But as far as, like, people say that kind of stuff about Destiny 2. Destiny oh, yeah, also, especially... Destiny 1 and 2. Uh, especially when they, Vanilla. Like, yeah, and they Vanilla forget... D1 came out. People just bashed it all over. Yeah, and... oh, it was just like that. And then people will continue to, they'll talk about how much they love the game, and then we'll have a dry period and people get really angry. So, yeah, definitely. I like to, personally, I haven't played as much in this season just because Gambit's not my biggest thing. I've been involved, but I've been involved in the story aspects like crazy. The lore is amazing, these quests and the cutscenes and stuff. So, I think it's a great, great season even if it is a little drier on the content for me. So I appreciate any work that's done because, like you guys said, it's a lot of work. It's a job. It's a full-time job, and it's also 
creative thinking. So, you know, appreciate their, you know, just everything. Yeah, no, yeah. for real, you know, and it's like, we talked about it last last week, you know, like, I feel like what they've been doing has really been bringing people into the lore lately. So, I mean, you could even say that it's a, it's a little different this time around than maybe before, but I feel like they've had a decent amount of content that just dropped as well as a really decent amount of lore that we can really get into. So, you know, I mean... And oh my God, I, I, we're gonna get into it. Yeah, and they're, well, they're doing just the really lore alone. Yeah. I would pay for. I mean, you have to <laughs> right? think this this uh, season pass. You know, this season would have only been ten dollars. You pay ten dollars for a battle pass for a Fortnite. For you know, Apex just came out with their battle pass. Uh, PUBG, any of those kind of games that people pay ten dollars for a I bunch pay of skins. Ten dollars at Starbucks. So, yeah, like, and those are just drinks. skins. I mean, like, and that's something that's going through my body and it's out by the end of the day. Like, good content <laughs> that's going to keep me occupied for a while? Yes, please. Yeah, I think people get crazy and forget that you're like, $30. I paid $30 for this season pass. I'm not getting what I want. And it's like, you spent $30 on lunch. You will play this for months. <laughs> Even if you only, yeah. Even if you only pay one day for each season pass, that's like, it's like you know, like you binge like a six-hour stretch. You basically got your money's worth. You couldn't go to a movie. You couldn't get a meal. You couldn't do and anything. Especially if so. you're playing with friends, I'm like, it's it's like oh, yeah. it's like the equivalent of going out and hanging out with your friends. Like you're getting that time. You're hanging out, you know, and you pay that one time price as opposed to yeah, like twenty twenty-five bucks every single meal you want to have with them and even still that's like an hour to two hours whereas this like you said you can binge for a good four to six yeah so. sorry to rant on I that have. But, <laughs> yeah i do frequently yeah. <laughs> so, love to bungee i'm sure bungee's not listening to this but uh one day bungee's gonna maybe, go back and listen to all of our all maybe of our <laughs> we'll be sure to uh, uh tweet bungee an appreciation for uh, yes. amazing story content that we are really really going to dive into yeah because they have a lot, a lot of hard-working people there from the from the biggest to the smallest working there it it definitely you can tell they've got a great creative team yeah. yeah like you said it's a creative team if i asked you to pump out fresh creative works <laughs> it's For not real? like a get down and just grind out you know paperwork this is creative mm-hmm development so i mean they're developing a whole nother world and a story to go with it and it's amazing all right well i guess we've been on this rabbit hole for like 15 minutes now i could talk about this forever (laughs) so yeah we'll stop being bungee apologists i guess for i don't even like that term. episode postponed because you know (laughs) we are Um, bungee appreciative enthusiasts yes yeah enthusiasts Exactly. Ain't a shame. Well, and like even even during some of the the content droughts, like I've still played almost daily. I have always I, up until the season. Just, I've never played anything else. Right. <laughs> like new Pokemon games are coming out, new Assassin's Creed, and I pick them up. But then it's like I've barely put any time in them because I'm so yeah. stuck on Destiny. Yeah, dude, I, I I understand that completely. Yeah. All right. Yeah, when Ivan plays a different game, I'm like, this is weird. Okay. <laughs> Destiny's been like right. the main focus. 
And, and there's nothing bad about Destiny. The reason I've been playing, I've been playing Apex, is just because it is scratching that PvP itch. Where you know Destiny's PvP is kind of the same old, same old, and I've been playing it for a long time, so I still enjoy it. But I was just getting a little, little take. But you can't get better than the PVE raid story aspects of Destiny. So definitely gonna keep on. Yeah. All right, Alan. Let's take us. Let's take us forward. <laughs> so. Back to the invitations of the nine. Yes, that was crazy, guys. Another tangent. I was able to actually finish that in two strikes. Yeah, it was short, which I liked because I was doing it for the story, and then I got right. a powerful gear from it also, which was nice. Right, and that was amazing. I, that. <laughs> I did not expect that. Like, I was just thrilled about the cutscene and the lines and everything, and then powerful loot. What did you think about it, Mrs. Hyven? I made you watch the cutscene. Cutscene was crazy, for starters. FYI. I also loved the... So, when the mission was technically over, but it didn't show the mission complete because she still had all the cutscenes and everything, and the person you were showing me went into that area... I loved that the one of the first things they did was like they took their controller and started looking around like is there any anything else in here? Wait, no, just the giant floating head. Okay, that's what cool. I did. Cool, because that's totally what I would have done. I don't know. So I, being uh, the destiny baby that I am, I, I'm just kind of starting to scratch the surface of the nine and how it all plays into things, and then additionally. Good. Not just that, but it's kind of a crazy time for us to be covering the Mara Senna because, I mean, Hyvin's just been, like, lorgasming constantly. I mean, literally to distract himself from the anticipation of the puppy, like, he was like, well, let me read the only other thing that's making me this excited, and it's the new lore. And, like, I'm calling him from the airport, and he's like, oh, my gosh, I have to tell you about this. And Like, I'm going in between plane <laughs> flights, and he's like, just like, and then this is happening, and then, this, and then you remember I told you it was her, and then her name is this, and, and I'm just okay, like, well, The amazing thing is all of the new books tie together so well, which is yeah, also, they're not a bunch of Yeah, and what's crazy is, like, a lot of it ties into the Marasena as well, which is kind of crazy. And yes. so, like, for me, it's just, like, part of me feels like, oh, my God, this is so much at once for me. But then part of me also feels like I'm just scratching the surface, and I don't even fully have... A fully formed opinion because again i i still have not read any of the lore i stand by my fresh perspective on our podcast i really like it so i won't read it i will yeah i will let hyven nerd out and tell me what he finds exciting and different things because he doesn't always have elemis and he needs some kind of outlet for his lorgasming <clears throat> commodity man he's got a lot of people who want his attention and party <laughs> um and he yeah he told me the other day he was like i don't like to get into the parties when you know there's a bunch of people in there and like and then elmas and i just start going and like he's got to give directions and stuff like that and i'm just distracting him and i was like oh you guys need your own little like special set aside time um, yeah so it's been i don't know it's been really <laughs> cool listening to hyven and like I said, I don't have a fully formed opinion, but I'm excited as we continue through the Marasena to really start that and then additionally get more as we go through the new lore. Well, I just wanted to kind of mention like what the cutscene was for Invitation of the Nine. For yes, hasn't... sorry, continue. Mm -hmm. Number one, I don't know about you guys, but who did you think that Drifter was sitting across from the table from? 
Well, I didn't, but you told me who you thought it was. So now that's who I think it is. <laughs> so I'll let Elvis answer. So I read ahead in the For Every Rose a Thorn book. And oh, yeah. Would that ruin if I say my thought? Should we not ruin that yet? Well, potentially. Like, try and keep it spoiler-free because we we are definitely covering it. Got it. Um, okay. But, like, I started making a list of all the different shadows. And I was like, okay, this one can't be it because that's the drifter. This one can't be it because of this. this yeah, one we can't got the name of a bunch dead. of the originals. Yep. So, at this point, there's only five people that it could be. Or at least five named people that it could be. Can't be Callum. He's dead. Right. Can't be our one female, because this was a male. Can't be, of course, the drifter. I so didn't even could... pick up that one was a female. So that, that, that would be one four. Sister reference. There's so, only four. Personally, we don't know some of them. I don't think it's Tevin Gray or Dredgen Bane, because he, to he me, seems, like seems to be more of the, the scholarly type. Yeah, I he personally seems like a warlock to me. Yeah, exactly. That whittles it down to I think that was no one other than Dredgen Vale, kind of the leader of the shadows. I originally didn't think that because of the armor that like it looked like he had a specific piece of exotic armor on him which would go with a specific subclass. And I was like, it can't be him because of this. But then I was talking to one of my clanmates. 2K, shout out to you. I, I was talking to 2K, and and 2K was like, no, that would be perfect because that is a good disguise. You would never suspect it because of that exotic piece. Yeah, and see, this is where we're trying to get around spoiler territory. But yeah, the reason I thought it was Dredge and Veo were just some of the characteristics I do believe Dredgen Vale is a hunter and that, yeah, like you said, some disguise features and various things. So regardless, this shadow, who I I think we both kind of agree could have been Dredgen Vale, basically tells Drifter that he isn't even running the name anymore of Dredgen. He basically says, like, sorry, old friend, pulls out a thorn, goes to finish Drifter. Drifter pulls out a mode of dark, twiddles it in his fingers, tells him to turn around. Taken captain, pops up behind Vale and smashes him over the railing. Like, we get dialogue. There's, like, a little bit of a fight scene. And then, bam, as that... Well, what also was crazy was the Taken captain looked like he didn't have full control. It looked like it was about to attack Drifter. But this was past, so I think this was before he got full control of his creations, if you want to call them that. Because then the Emissary of the Nine shows up out of nowhere and gives him a gift from the Nine, which is the giant ball that he carries on the back of his ship. And, like, I had to watch that scene twice, because when I originally saw it, I didn't pick up the fact that in the very first part of that scene, where it shows the ship, Mm -hmm. the ball wasn't there. Yeah. So I think the Nine have aided him getting his taken and the power, because, you know, we know that that ball is kind of what, from... I don't remember what book we covered, but, you know, it's a giant section of the Ascendant plane, kind of all wrapped up in a ball. We have, you know, Shin was talking about what he thought that was. So, pretty crazy, and it sounds like 
the nine told us that they want us to understand this one, the drifter, and that every week it sounds like we might get a cutscene about something that's happened in his life. The awesome thing that I, I don't think you really knew about, if you do that quest on multiple characters, you get lore entries for the Ecdysis lore book on each character. So you can hmm. get a maximum of three lore entries per week. Oh, that's nice. I've read the whole thing. but yeah, yeah I, Right, I so have I. Yeah. But it, it's that little oh. checkbox for me. Oh, yeah, yes. it. And my OCD. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, that's kind of nice. Yeah, but yeah, and also knowing who the Emissary of the Nine is now made it just so much cooler. So yeah, yeah that's what I, I was getting called the airport about. Yeah, so but that's kind of an overview. I feel like we can have maybe an episode on oh, all of them once all nine. Have, maybe once all yeah. nine are finished, just do an episode on those. So we should move yeah. on to Mrs. Hyven's questions. <laughs> we're already half hour in we apologize guys <laughs> we've been apart from our lord too long it's not yeah. my fault it's not <laughs> ours <laughs> okay so i guess i'm gonna start with my vanguard and drifter question we touched on it slightly obviously i know that you can pick both by using multiple characters but what was so i'm gonna ask the first question and then i'll follow it up with a second what was which, which one did you pick first? Elemist? Vanguard Drifter. Alright, Hyven? Drifter. Okay, and why did you pick Drifter before Vanguard? Elemist? So, I didn't like the fact that Honor was telling me what to do. She was very pushy about what she wanted done. And I was like, hey, lady, I've killed two gods, three no, three at this point. Four? <laughs> <laughs> Dueling Karu? Yeah, that would be four. Either way, I'm like, yeah, hey, lady, I've, I've killed four hive gods, and, you know, it, who are you to tell me what to do? That, and I'm loyal. He gave me the Dredgen title. I was like, whatever you need. <laughs> All right. Hyven? Uh, similar along those lines, just the fact that I didn't view it, as we talked about, as being the Vanguard, but Anor. And I just don't trust her. She's part of the Hidden, which are already a shady bunch. She came in telling us what to do. I know nothing about her. Based off of what I know from the lore, I made sure to read all the lore books before I chose. She didn't trust us originally. She doesn't trust much of anyone. And also, I actually do trust the Drifter more because I do not think he is the bad entity everyone thinks he is. On further examination of the lore, he's been through a lot, and I think I know more of what his motives are. And I, call me crazy, I trust the Drifter. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like you guys said earlier, the devil you know. I definitely agree with that statement. Okay, so that was question number one. So now question number two is going to go more into the Marasena, which we started covering last week. Yes. (laughs) Before we jump back into it, my question is, last week we discussed how a lot of people have a bias, how I'm going to be developing a bias probably as I read these cards. My bias may end up being different than other people's because I am making it mostly off of these cards, which again are written by her. So getting a bias based off of something that is written by the person as opposed to interaction with the person like you guys have additionally had within the game could 
skew my views just a bit. But you guys have had both. You guys have read all the lore books and you guys have had interactions with Mara in game. So my question is, we touched on people having biases, but we didn't touch on what your guys are specifically. And I think that's important to the people listening because it's going to shape your comments and thoughts on the cards. So I think it'd be interesting for everyone listening to know what your bias is. So we started with Elmas on my last question. So we'll start with Kyvin. I was just going to say before I actually answer or anything, I actually think that is a great idea. I almost think that as a podcast that I think we do strive to give information, I know personally my bias will come through a lot. I think we almost should have a, every time we start a new topic, I don't know what you'd want to call it, but like a here's our stance kind of thing. I yeah. think our bias should, because I that think will also I think help a great people idea. understand where we're coming from. Like I said, I'm almost never going to come at something with a bias, but I think you guys will always have one. And I think it'll kind of help people understand, especially if somebody doesn't agree with your thoughts. They'll say, okay, well, maybe he's thinking this because this is where he's coming from and I'm not. And I think it'll just develop a more interesting, well-rounded view. And it just kind of came up because we were talking a lot about it last week, but we didn't really touch on either one of yours actual bias and what where you're coming from when we go through these cards. Since we're, you know, even though we're, we try to read the cards to give you the information straight up, I know we definitely, our explanation can paint it one way or the other. So, and I know we even conflict, I think, on some of our biases. So your question is, what is my bias on what? The Marasena or? Mara herself. I mean, Mara. Yeah, because As- I think your bias on that also goes into how you're reading these cards because she's the writer. So yep. for all I know, you don't even believe these cards in their entirety because you don't believe her in her entirety, which I'm not saying that's that's the case, but it could be. So I would like to know your your thoughts on Mara so we can kind of have a better understanding of how you're looking at these cards. Okay. Well, my stance on Mara as a whole is I I do trust her. I think that she is maybe not necessarily a full-on hero protagonist but maybe like an anti-hero of sorts i think her motivations are more than we understand but knowing kind of a little bit of her origin and like you said all my interactions with her i think she has a plan to help just everyone and i trust her even though you know she's she's trying to win the war not each individual battle so that being said i also know a little bit more as we'll go through this you know her origin but as far as the books, I I took them as a history lesson with a grain of salt. Granted, maybe they're cited a certain way, but I chose to read these cars as more of a history lesson and not a mythical story that she wrote. I appreciate that. I also really like it because just from your bias there um, and your understanding of Mara, I can get a better idea of you know, it kind of helps me understand, okay, like, yeah, you're right. If she kind of looks at the overall and she's looking at the war and not the individual battles, maybe I'll be able to look into her more and see more of an interpersonal conflict that she has with herself as we continue moving forward. And that's something I can kind of look out for. Yeah. And I, I will say, I don't understand all of her decisions that we'll talk about her motivations when she was a 20 year old human and then freshly awoken to queen of the awoken her ideologies seem very different but there's so much time in between that we don't know what happened that i kind of i'm choosing 
to trust her, even though maybe she's swapped sides, but I still think she's fighting for good, air quotes, if you'll, you'll say. <laughs> All right. And Elmost, what about you? Where are you coming from? I, I joked last week that I'm a human titan, but she is my queen. <laughs> but like I, I, I trust her. I, I think Hyven brought up a good point that you know treat this as a history lesson, and history is always written by the victors. So you need to keep that in mind while reading it all. But for the most part, yeah, she could tell me specifically to do something, and I probably would. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I think that's great for me. Uh, just to let everybody know where I am, just for reading the cards last week, I've enjoyed looking at Mara's adventurous spirit. As I know, she goes through quite a bit of transformation between the Mara we read about last week and the Mara we see in game now. So I'm definitely interested to see that character development because I. Just based on last week's cards. Nothing else that I do know, obviously. But if I just looked at last week's cards to the character she is now, I kind of almost have a hard time seeing the same person. Yeah. Distant. Exactly. So I'm definitely looking forward to kind of bridging that gap with her story. And so that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, I'm looking forward to connecting the two people that seem almost like different people to me. And the only thing I would add is I think a lot of people, those who don't trust or don't like Mara, see her as manipulative. I would say I agree. I think wholeheartedly she is manipulative, um, and we'll see that in these books. But I, it, it, it gets results. You could argue that it's um, she could just tell us the whole truth and trust us. Um, but regardless of her motives... You know, I don't believe always that the end justifies the means, but at this point, she hasn't, like, you know, she's not sacrificing mass amounts of, well, that's arguable, I guess, when she attacked Oryx. <laughs> she's not just killing people just to get what she wants, so I don't think of her as a tyrant. I think of her as a complex individual. Yeah. Well, I mean, if anybody has that viewpoint, clearly Hyven and Elemis both are kind of on the side of misunderstood ruler that they are loyal to so if anybody has that opposite side that opposite viewpoint let us know reach out let us know if you can kind of get it into a concise you know viewpoint of how you feel about them i'd be something i'd be interested in even looking into sharing next week just to kind of round out the viewpoints i would just say keep it you know don't say mars we don't want like i hate her she's the worst yeah Um, if you can try to make a you know somewhat give an actual reason yeah, explain yeah. to us, you know, what you've seen about her. If you've got points from the lore book that you're like, well, you know, here's why X, Y, and Z, or points from the game, let us know. We'd really like to round out the viewpoints of how all the gamers kind of see Mara, the good and the bad, especially because, A, this lore book is so big, and I think she's an important character that everybody deals with. And B, as we've said, kind of moving forward, there's this, all this information it's kind of going to mix into this Marasena. So we really want to round out all the viewpoints and all of the information. So let us know. And we'd be, we'd be interested in, 
and trying to share something either next week or the following, obviously, since this is going to drop late. All right. Well, if yeah. you haven't lost our audience at this point, Elemis, do you want to finish with the last little intro to tonight? So, brief intro to the topic. The Marasena is the origin story of the Awoken. It's told from Mara's point of view. If you want to listen to the first quarter of it, listen to our last episode. Episode 14. We've got to listen to them in order. <laughs> Just saying, we've talked about those. This is important. <laughs> I feel very strongly. Elmas works hard to put these episodes together. So listen to them in order. They, anyway. This is their first episode. I think they tuned out because we. Uh, That's true. Because we didn't even get into it almost. yet. Yeah, right. If you're still with us, All we right. well then we appreciate it. I... All right, guys. So last week, like we said, we landed on a cliffhanger. We apologize for making it so long, but as we saw, we are now going to be moving into Cosmogyre three. So that means we read one and two last week. So we know that Mara and her family are on this spaceship colony that are armed to the molars was the exact quote. So when Earth started being attacked and everything was going down, they got a distress call from Earth that says, turn back, basically get in position. We might need you to blow some stuff up. But at the same time, they had another ship that was not identifying itself that they did not know coming into play. So they were kind of in this in-between of do we listen to the orders from Earth? Do we deal with this person first? And keep in mind this vessel was an army and military and civilian vessel. So um, They were an explorer vessel mainly. Exactly, yeah. So um, they definitely had uh, you could say that the captain of that ship maybe felt the need to answer the call for the military she was a part of, but they decided to put it to a vote. However, that vote never came to head because the other ship that was close got even closer. And that's kind of where we landed. They're going to have to, they're going to have to move on that. Maneuvers. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. That was Size, beautiful. To the point. Well done. I did it. <laughs> yeah. I'll go ahead and continue the story that you've painted so beautifully. All right. <clears throat> Cosmogyre 3. The stars have gone out. The universe blackened. A shroud of nothingness drawn over Yang Li Wei. It's 40,000 sleeping passengers. It's 900 crew. And maybe even the whole solar system. There was no way to know. Because there is no way to see anything beyond the hall. The vacuum itself has become hostile to the propagation of light. Darkness surrounds them. The ship bucks on a storm sea as space-time ripples with gravity tides. Report, Captain Lee calls. Her sensorium blazes with positional telemetry from ring laser gyros, beacon satellites, pulsar fixes, cosmic microwave background texture, galactic EM field terrain mapping. Every single instrument, useless, crashed, spitting nonsense. Sound off by stations. Fido, the flight dynamics officer calls. Main engine on safe. Thrusters firing erratically. Altitude control keeps crashing to manual. Guidance. 
I have no position. I cannot get a vector. We're moving, but I can't tell how or where. Inco. No external comms, internal networks are dropping in and out. An incredible sensation washes over Captain Lee. A rumble and a thrum down in her gut, in her marrow, in the lowest, basest elements of her body. It is the vibration, the sound of every fabric of her being scrunching up and stretching out. The distance between the atoms of her body collapses and expands. The cycle repeats again and again. For a moment, she feels her fingertips and toes pulled away from her core, yanked by tidal forces. It feels like the lowest rumble of the biggest subwoofer ever built. It sounds like the deep voice of God whispering Asmer directly into her ear. It tingles, it thrills, and it leaves in its wake a subsonic tint of dread and anticipation. She shivers. Gravity wave, she says. Talk to me, Geode. The space-time geodesics officer looks like she's just been hand-delivered a Nobel. This is amazing, she crows, fully aware that she and anyone else are about to die, but transported away from such temporal concerns by scientific rapture. Can you feel that growl? We're experiencing high-frequency, high-amplitude gravity waves. Phaeton strikes. Axions decaying through the hall. Sterile neutrinos. It's all coming from a source at bearing, uh, 045 mark 030 relative. Range, range highly variable. Another wave tears through Yang Liwei. Everything in the ship simultaneously compresses and stretches as the gravity wave deforms the space-time metric. Is it the Phantom? Lee demands as her ship throbs subsonically. Is that phantom ship emitting these waves? I have no idea, Geode says exultantly. None of this makes any sense at all. Wow! Alice Lee has the distinct sense that something ancient and malevolent is operating on them. A trillion-fingered hand reaching in to caress the very atoms of their being, setting protons to spin, strumming nerves like guitar strings. Tongue with ten billion slithering forks, hasting the surface of their brains. The sense of immediate doom crescendos. She knows absolutely and utterly that what is happening about to happen to her and her crew is far worse than death. The darkness knows them now. The thing that has come to kill humanity has their taste. Inko. She clings to her restraint harness as the ship growls through another wave. Their bones creak as they stretch. Last report on the Traveler? Any sign of an intervention? It was at Earth, Captain, and there were high-yield weapon discharges all over the signal. Nothing else. Understood. Well, she did not fly this far to look back and beg for salvation from an alien god. Pinned to the center of her sensorium is the blazing ledger of her crew's boat. We go onward. We do not turn home. Our fate lies ahead, not behind. Launch an antenna, she orders. I want every probe and satellite we've got outside. Captain, Inko protests. The vacuum's not signal permissive. We're still passing signals internally, aren't we? Use hardline. Run filament between the satellites. 
I want a transmitter sail out there, and I want to broadcast. Her flight crew stares. Captain? Fido says. Broadcast what? A declaration of neutrality. Alice Lee grits her teeth against another wave. It ratters her molars in her skull. Was Evers out there? It came for the traveler. We tell it we're not part of this war. We've seceded from human existence under the traveler. We demand to be treated as a separate species, not party to baseline humanity's conflicts. And we pray there's something out there that cares about the difference. This card is awesome. Like, those those good cliffhanger and like not a disappointing follow-up. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. But no, I really like this card, you guys. So first of all, is it my understanding here that it looks like they did have a vote? They got the vote in. She Yeah, because it was it, it kind of looked minute. like from the last one that they didn't. They were so taking a vote, but they hadn't they hadn't, I like guess, made the finals. The yeah, time. it hadn't yeah. been tallied. So interesting. I think that's a good point to note that the the vote did come back as a press onwards, don't return. And I guess so obviously there's there's a lot that's happening. First of all, <laughs> that geode assistant, I was cracking up. Oh my god, that was hysterical. I um, channeled my inner like science geek. Like as I'm reading this, <laughs> before they even said it, I forgot. I'm like, holy crap, they're stuck in a bunch of gravity wells. Oh, this is awesome. And then they like mention it like there's basically just black holes blowing up like all around them. It's like insane colliding yeah. into each other. It's oh man. I love Sorry. that. It's hysterical. But additionally, I like I said before, Captain Lee is a captain. She is a military officer. So for her, you know, I think for yeah, me, like ass. but you know, I think for me, like a lot of times you see on the TV shows, they're like, Well, that's just the orders. Like and you're like, eh, no, like, come on. Like, sometimes you, sometimes they're wrong. And so I, I guess I kind of like that she understood that even though she was a captain in this military force, it's like she said, basically, when they set off on this mission, they had basically, for all intents and purposes, seceded. Yeah. They want to know part yeah. of a traveler-based humanity. And... So she moves forward with what her people want. And I would say you noticed that they have tons of people, like 900 people awake, thousands in cryo sleep. So even though she's a captain, uh, this isn't, I mean, it was being basically commandeered for military purposes. It is first and foremost, remember, a, an exploration vessel and a colonizing ship. So they left with a purpose to go to a far, far away planet and start a new, basically, branch of humanity. So... I wouldn't, I would say that, you know, she probably does maybe have some military training. We don't really know too much about her background before being this captain, but I think she too understands what they set out for. I think everyone on that ship set out for that, regardless of whether or not the people who created the ship put, you know, weapons on it just in case they need it as a military vessel. Well, so, so my <laughs> thing there is that she is a captain of a ship that is armed. Like, a captain of a, a cruise ship isn't going to, you know, have any kind of maritime yeah. naval 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. like, she's got military background. Yeah, I think that's where that assumption came from for me as well. I agree. Yeah, they do mention that they have weapons to fight off of, like, pirates and raiding groups. But I think right. it's definitely safe to assume the size of it sounds like the weapon that they have. <laughs> I, I don't know if you know anything. Anyone who knows anything about Halo, it, it sounds like a Mac can to me. A giant sniper rifle that, like, because it talks about reaching all the way back to Earth. Yeah. So, I imagine this thing being decked out as, and we know, to the molars. Yeah, which they also mentioned molars again, which I find funny. But yeah, so... Not so funny when your teeth feel like they're... Yeah, ugh. Man, the gatification (laughs) in here, guys. They're being pulled apart by all kinds of different ways. So they're being pulled and compressed. Yeah, no, the the specification and the writing, you can, like, feel it. Like, it almost kind of, like, made my teeth cringe for, like, a moment. Like, I just was like, oh, like, it was was good writing there for sure. But, uh... What do you guys think about how Captain Lee handled? Like I said, I think she's a bit of a, she's a bit of a badass. She's a quality captain. Captain Lee is a boss. Yeah. Once again, I just, I love badass female representation. It's just nice. I enjoy it, too. I like badass female representation that doesn't come across as bitchy. And see, that's why and it's a lot of people fine don't line. Like and I Mara, think that's why some people I don't like Mara. Awesome. Because, yeah. yeah, like you said, like they might find that as bitchy. But nah, Captain Lee is just straight up badass. Yeah. And just kind of, uh, just a couple things to point out. So basically, they're being engulfed by what we can assume is just basically are that term, the darkness. Whatever has come is surrounding them. But also notice that they have just got notification that the tons of weapons were just fired. So it sounds like this is possibly, I don't the, not the Traveler, but Rasputin firing all his weapons. Which we know, this is kind of what happens right before the Traveler lets out its blast that creates you know, the ghosts and all that craziness. So just keep in mind, they're surrounded in a darkness force and a blast from the Traveler should be happening soon. Yeah, and, and like, I, I, there's two things that that like instantly caught my attention here. Steroid neutrinos. Every time we hear that, it's talking about the Taken. Yeah, so I didn't like, even think about that. I forgot. So oh, like, okay. but but Oryx isn't even in the system yet. I was about to say, could this maybe be in the pyramid ships, which? You know, went back to our little spin foil about those beasts that the Drifter found on that planet kind of being the original, like, origin of some type of darkness. Right. So, like, that that could very well be. But then the other thing that I, I was, like, I'm still stuck on. God whispering ASMR. Yeah, I'm not sure what that is. Oh, ASMR? Yeah. It's, it's, without getting creepy, it's when people get excited about specific sounds being recorded. Yeah. Animals do that. Like when an animal hears a specific sound and like it excites them. Is that what we're talking about? There you go. Uh, A feeling of well-being combined with a tingling sensation in the scalp and down the back of the neck experienced 
by some people in response to various stimulation, often a particular sound. Yes, and as uh, it does say, causes stimulation, if you catch my drift, sometimes. So yeah. that's a pretty intense sound. Yeah. Basically, imagining it tingles down your back into your spine, like through your whole body. And ASMR stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. I think of it as like your body is just vibrating, reverberating with whatever the noise is, something very powerful. Yeah. I feel like I listened to our radio lab on this recently. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Ah, Well, so whatever this is, it's powerful. Like I said, I'm now thinking about this now that maybe those pyramid ships were, they were far enough out. We know the pyramid ships are there now. Maybe they ran into them and they've just been chilling out there. Right. That's not anything we know, but that's just kind of my little spin foil. Oh. Well, so like, remember so when the traveler went off? We finally saw them way out. Huh? Well, this. Sorry, this, I'm not you talking know. about what you guys are talking about. Like, I am, but I'm not. Sorry, I just realized okay. ASMR, why it's like this new thing like people keep posting videos of it on like instagram recently it's it's like a whole like thing of like satisfying videos with satisfying sounds of like all this different stuff and um it yeah no it's like it's like a big thing now like people have like entire like instagrams and like snapchat stories like dedicated to it and i've always i didn't even know what that was i just just read the acronym to shorten it up yep yep nope it's a thing Mm -hmm. it's it's yeah sorry yeah it just like clicked when i googled it (laughs) yeah so yeah i'm thinking Um, it could have been at the distance where the pyramid ships were that's possible so like I'm, i'm just trying to think of some of the logistics of that because the pyramid ships were just outside of the of solar system system. yeah i forget how far they've said they've gotten at this point yeah. But for them, I would imagine like, they were probably past that. But like for them to be able to turn around and fire at the earth. That, that's kind of a what is their technology. I would assume they're going out of the right. solar system because we already know that Mars and planets Venus have already been kind of colonized, right? So I would think that they were trying to leave the solar system. But you are Heck. right. At, at that point, uh, we know Titan has been yep. colonized. We know Io has been touched by the Traveler. So, yeah, they would have to leave the system to get out of Yeah. But you are right. I wonder how crazy that weapon is. Well, I guess we don't really know that, but I think this is also kind of interesting. You know, I, I view this in the past. We've known the Awoken had something which somehow created through the darkness, right? And, you know, Bungie has said that they are... I've stopped calling everything the darkness because they didn't quite know what it was. And they're trying to reassess what that force is. So I would say that this is the darkness that I, I feel like that's a cop out because we don't quite know what the origin of this darkness is up till then. I would think the hive and the taken were the closest to that. And I don't think this well, is the hive and taken. Right. Like the hive and taken are the closest to the darkness as a collective but as as far as this is concerned, 
I doubt that it's the Hive or the Taken. It's too early. I, that's why I think that they got trapped in something else. But yeah. Yeah. And rather than beating my head on the wall, I'm I'm ready to just move on. <laughs> I think we should. It's not super important to the story because we can leave that as a. You can make your own head cannon. <laughs> yeah. You can go down your own crazy theories of of nonsense and speculation. Go down, go down through your own spin foil theories. Yeah. Right. All right, there, Mrs. Hyven. Are you ready to read? I am indeed. All right, so I'm going to take us into Cosmogyre 4, which is going to be our last of the Cosmogyre headings. And yeah, I'm going to go ahead and start it. She remembers everything about the moment she is born. She has gone outside Yang Liwei to die in the starlight. She cannot bear to let anyone see her fear or her awe at the scale of destruction or her pity for the billions of souls dying in darkness back around Seoul. She could not be among the other crew as they cling to each other and whisper reassurances, not even with her mother. She cannot surrender her mystery. So she kicks off the hall on 50 kilometers of tether. But there's no starlight to die in. The darkness is absolute. Gravity waves tug on her line, pulling her back toward Yang and then hurling her away. In time, she feels another vibration in the line. Sister, the tether transmits. I'm coming out to get you. Brother, she thinks, you'll lose yourself trying to follow me. Captain Lee's voice breaks through the static, drawn out to a mumble and then compressed to a shriek. Spikes of hard radiation go through her words like bullets, battering phonemes into eerie compression artifacts. This is the interstellar vessel Yang Liwei to the entity interacting with us. We are not involved in your dispute with the powers around the star. We are on a mission to begin a new life elsewhere. Our purpose is orthogonal to yours. We request your indifference. Mara's tether trembles with Aldwin's progress. She holds it in one hand and reaches out with the other, gripping the emptiness, feeling how the tides of broken space pull her at fingertips. She senses that the nothingness around her is not indifferent, that it is aware of all purposes, and that its own purpose encompasses them. It is infinitely hostile because it must be. Suddenly, as if the void around her has just spontaneously big-banged, she sees light. A point of pure white shines in the cosmic distance, not just visible luminance. Her suit decomposes the spectrum, but light in the radio bands, in microwave, keening ultraviolet, a spike of gamma, a total and all-embracing radiation. It sings, it chatters. It speaks in a voice older than suns. She feels that she could foyer the voice for a century and never decompose in decompose it into its parts. It is awesome and appalling and piercingly true. Mara understands how those who die in radiation accidents must feel. 
A single flash of invisible power sears away all possible futures except one. She feels her soul itself has been ionized, blasted into a higher energy state. The light pierces the darkness, not like the sunrise, not like a wall or a flood, but a singular, single crepuscular ray, a finger of radiance that reaches out through deepest night to touch her. It illuminates Mara, Aldwin, and Yang Liwei. It is not quite enough. It cannot vanquish the shadow. Thus, Mara finds herself drifting on the edge of the light and the darkness, on the dusk and dawn gradient between the two. She feels a contest, a battle fought, an equilibrium reached, not a truce, but an infinite limit, like an equation dividing by zero, a collision of two violent eternities. Mara queries Yang Liwei for telemetry, and her sensorium fills with the terrified screams of gravitational instruments. She howls to a feral sound, ecstatic and lost, a wolf baying at the stars. She knows what's happening. Too much power has gathered here. The universe is appalled by the paradox. Nothing that has glimpsed this collision of infinitudes can be allowed to escape. The cosmos must censor its embarrassment. It must sequester the anomaly. The slope of warp space-time around them has become too steep, and now every path outward or forward bends back to the center where light and dark collide. The definition of future has become synonymous with the definition of inward. This is why it is called an event horizon. For an object within the horizon, the path of all future things that can be done or seen leads inevitably down to the center. All events lead inward. A singularity is forming around her. A kugelblitz, a black hole created by the concentration of raw energy. Mara, Alwyn shouts. Mara! You're too far out. Mara thinks of her mother's face. She hears Osana say, I can't watch over you like a mother would. I have to make my own choices now. She fires the detached command into the tether. Gravity seizes her. She falls forward in space and time, into the future, into the mystery. Yang Liwei is behind her. Aldwin is behind her. She wants to be the first. So I just looked it up. An event horizon is a region in space-time beyond which events cannot affect an outside observer. Yeah, I was going to get a little scientific in that one. But guys, what is a Kugelblitz? <laughs> it's just a term for... It's, this, is a, this is a black hole. Uh, and the event horizon is the space around it. When you're caught in it, nothing can escape it, not even light. So it's a f- perfect image that their future is inward because nothing can escape this black hole. So they're being pulled into a really odd black hole because it's not formed, I would say, normally. But this is, is literally Mara at the p- 
point where like she gets her favorite line or well my favorite line from her about how you know she was born of of the light and dark darkness was her father starlight was my mother yes like i know i don't do the, it justice by not having it memorized but like hey we could look it up well and like even then me saying the line I, i'm not going to do it as much justice as the voice actress from mara oh yeah but yeah this this is interesting i mean we see that the singularity or a singularity is being formed and it's just a it's a lengthy description of it of this thing being formed yeah. and she's out there on a tether yep so that's an important thing she so basically what i got out of this is we see a scared kid who goes to what makes her comfortable she sees that the whole expanse is darkness she knows they're all going to die she takes herself out into on that tether wanting to at least die in the starlight one of her favorite places obviously she runs out to the starlight on these tethers all the time only to find that there is no starlight everything's dark um so it's like she knows she's going to die and she wants to go out a way that she i don't know i think she wants to like see it's almost like you know you hear people say they want to see the sun before they die or something like that that's kind of like the mental picture i get a little bit from that it's more of like she knows she's going out she wants to go out on her terms exactly yeah but there's no starlight she sees, which that shows you how dark this darkness is. Can't even see the stars. And then also, and then all of a sudden they're hit with this light. And I like how they basically talked about this is not just light. This is radio waves, microwaves, gamma rays, ultraviolet radiation. This is like every aspect of light you can think of. So this is the light capital. What was that? Capital L light, I would say. This is not just the sun is shining. So, I just looked it up. A Kugelblitz is a theoretical physics term for a black hole made of light. Well, I guess technically it's written like it has an explanation because it says a Kugelblitz, colon, a black hole created by the concentration of raw energy. So I guess technically gave me the definition, but... It's yeah. still too sciencey. I'm gonna need someone to explain it to me like I'm four. No, you got it though. So it's so they're basically they're being trapped in a black hole. This is not a normal black hole. I imagine it is a black hole of sorts, but it's not a black hole that sucks in all light because you know, Mara says like they are basically the universe is like tearing. I imagine it almost like you know, a yin and yang kind of scenario. There's like a black hole and like elements to mention, almost like actually they call them white holes. Um, but yeah, it's a, as why you does said, that sound way worse than black hole? It it actually is a thing. Um, like right. you said, I I listen to like I don't know if it's just because black science. hole sounds normal, but when you call it a white hole, it immediately sounds dirty. Well, they yeah, basically it's the <laughs> it's the exact opposite, and it is a thing. So, 
Yes, it's a white hole and a black hole basically turning into one super hole. <laughs> okay, now well, it's so, really so, getting mad. Well, okay, so do we actually have... Uh, where specifically does it talk about the black hole? Uh, right after Kugelplex. I mean, a Kugelblitz. A black hole created by the concentration of raw energy. Okay, so it's and literally also, just... We literally just have the white hole. Okay, so... And also, what, you mentioned Event Horizon. An event Horizon is what surrounds all black holes. So that is just... They actually do right. get a little science-y, and I do appreciate um, gravity wells, Event Horizons. All that stuff is linked to black holes or black hole energy. Ivan's and, not even lorgasming anymore. He's just, like, full-on nerding out right now. Yeah. Well, so so what I was trying to get at is there's this white hole, the, the Kugelblitz. Um, so that accounts for the light. But I was trying to make this mental connection of where the darkness was coming from. And then it hit me, the stereo neutrinos. Yeah, see, that's why I don't quite know what this hole would look like. Like I said, in my mind, it's like some amalgam of a black hole and a white hole at the same time. Um, I guess my thing is it is a black hole, like you said, with like a super bright light center. If that makes sense. Maybe so the event horizon's all black, but the uh, the the point in the middle that I cannot remember the name. I'm impressed with myself. Is it's like super bright. Um, and this will make sense later on where we see kind of. What ends up happening? Everything's just bathed in, you know, super bright light. So I envisioned this black hole absorbing all the light around it. Um, but yeah, I guess me, I'm also kind of, I'm looking at the mental picture of she talks about how um, basically the light and dark are like fighting each other, and that the universe has decided that this can't exist. That's an interesting, yeah, thought. Um, and basically, so that's why I would say that whatever this thing is is something we almost can't imagine. Because it should never exist. Um, it's light on a scale that we don't know anything about today. The only thing we could think of is it's the traveler's light. And darkness, well, as the drifter said, darkness so dark that it, well, I forget exactly what he says, but basically it kills light on contact. So that's kind of my, uh, my thinking. You have these two opposites coming together, and it creates this hole. I'm going to call it the Omni-Hole. <laughs> that uh, Mara detaches her tether and she jumps in. She wants to be the first in there. Does but, any of this make sense to anyone? <laughs> but Oldwin is right behind Florida. her. Yes, Oldwin is always right behind her. But Florida. I'm more interested in the story. But so does that make sense? What's actually happening? We see that basically, as I had kind of prefaced before, the Traveler goes off and... Remember that that light wave that happens at the end cutscene of Destiny 2 after the Red War? Uh, that light wave that shot out? I imagine something like that, only on probably a grander scale. Um, and then basically this event horizon pulls Mara into it. Does that cover kind of make sense to move on to the next card? Mostly for you, Mrs. That. Hyman. So that's kind of a... All right. So the next card is Extatiate 1. To occur the unhappened world, to grip glass-hooped eternity in blood-slick hands and snap it from its circle. 
know her as the flaw, the isotropy, the spike that pierced eternal recurrence and made the wound of time, tautologies end on her fingertips, in the crease between skin and nail. Name her Ilelia, broth captain. Begin with her, this subcreation. First, a mandala. Rings of rippled light, pinpricks like stars. Selected elements of a lie group. The math skeleton of this new place. What is this? Where am I? A sheet of paper, blank with static. Her hands flat upon the face. A plasma of quarks and electrons, so hot and bright that it is pitch black. The mean free path is too short for photons to travel. The fire is too thick for light. She has been here forever. Ilelia. The end is the beginning, is the end. She folds the paper into space and time. Now that there is light, she can read the paper, and she finds it is the Amrita Charter. Sun is the cradle of life, but we cannot remain in the cradle forever. She was a seeker, the eye of Ilelia, the arrow that points to new worlds. She sought new sun, new earth. Her mind passes across the words like a comb. Word becomes world. Paper folds under nimble hands. The sting of a paper cut. So God may yet be surprised. From that cut, her blood scatters through the void. And the isotropic universe nucleates around her droplets. I am Ilelia, the guiding principle. Bend the center. I am Alicilla, the arrow of time. Sinuous, but progressing. I am Elisili, one step forward, one element changed. This is how the world clock ticks, by the letter-wise permutation of secret names. I am Elise Lee, the coalescence into entities, the compaction of drifting fire into sun and world. I am Elise Lee, the power that seeks new worlds. I have a crew. I had a ship. I wanted to bring them to a place like a paradise world. Twin ringed, impossible beauty, and a sky milk bright with stars. She makes it real with a thought, and in that thought she falls herself, undoes her transient divinity, binds herself and all those after her into the law. The omniscient cannot explore. The omnipotent cannot struggle. She refuses that god trap. This, this is how Alice Lee awakens. So, for anyone who has never read any of the Marcena, uh, I'm calling, calling you out maybe a little bit there, Mrs. Hyvin. This is possibly quite confusing. Um, no shit. 
Um, just to give you a little <laughs> preface, basically what has happened is we just had the whole crew of the ship, Yang Liwei, pulled into this event horizon, this omni hole. And on the other side, there is a universe of just pure energy. Nothing is formed. Alice Lee is the first one there. With her mind, she basically, you can see her going through these different steps, these processes, these, to figure out who she is, what's happening. As she is folding this paper, it's like the world is folding around her. And at the very, very end, she basically imagines the beautiful world that she hoped to find for the colony. And the world is shaped basically into what she imagines. So what's happening is this new world of infinite energy is being shaped by the thoughts of Alice Lee. All right. I'm going to so... turn that over to you. See what, <laughs> what you think. Can I go back up to the first paragraph here? <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> first of all, this is not having much to do about this nonsense of the card, but <laughs> this is clever plan words here in this sentence. Tautologies. If you read the sentence, it specifically says tautologies end on her fingertips in the crease between skin and nail. Tautologies is the saying of the same thing twice in different words, such as an expression. Um, <clears throat> Where's the example? Arrived one after the other in secession. So one after the other, secession. And in this case, we have ends on her fingertips and then crease between skin and nail. So just kind of an interesting so little it's play. Like, it's basically so it's like a, saying tautology and then it's actually a tautology as well. Exactly what I was saying. It's a, it's a redundancy of sort. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of crazy word. So tautologies but. are a redundancy, basically. But I find it funny that it's saying that tautologies end on her fingertips and then go into a tautology describing the tautology. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just saying, so, if that sentence right there does not explain how confusing this <laughs> stupid entry is, I don't know what else does. <laughs> um, like, I'm telling you, like, second, third sentence in, they're just, yeah. Anyways, um, second, I have notes. This is why I have notes, y'all. Broth captain? Yeah, I, I don't that, know. I thought of it as the cosmic broth, which has to do with um, basically, like, creation of, like, a universe. It's just, like, a bunch of elements all just... Give me a second. I'm trying to look. Uh, basically, before they have any type of formation. Does that make sense? Googling it is no help. Yeah, there's no such thing as a <laughs> broth captain. So, but let me. Unless it's specifically talking about like cosmic soup for the soul. Like that's what I was thinking. Like, that's a... what if it's like a cosmic soup thingy? Okay, so that's actually that's what I was thinking of. So I think I've heard somebody call it like cosmic broth, but it has to do with the uh, cosmic background. Radiation that you've probably heard of. Um, maybe if you know anything about science that some people talks about just radiates throughout. And it's like the residue of like the universe kind of like being created. So for me, it was like she is the captain 
of this broth of just pure cosmic energy, soup. cosmic soup. Yeah, and she's basically <laughs> turning it into something. <clears throat> All right. So, so it's like it says, it begins with her sub-creation. So she is being created anew, and then after that, she is basically the she one is to choose yeah. Yeah, how everything is shaped. Does that make sense? I think that's mm-hmm. a really good high point from Co- Roth Captain, which is nothing to something. Right? <laughs> okay, so now that we've kind of gone into a little bit more um, with your description of how basically as she sees or thinks things, they form the um, yeah, let's see the, the line word into. becomes world. That makes a lot of sense. Which part did... Oh, what was that? Sorry. I think I was... It, the line says that. word becomes world. Okay, so the line says her mind passes across the words like a comb. Word becomes world. Uh, so that makes a lot more sense there. Um, and it makes a lot of sense. Basically, she unfolds the Amrita Charter, discovers what her original like purpose and goal was, and then thinks it into existence almost. Yeah, you notice that that piece of paper she just was like folding, it turned into the Amrita Charter. It turned into something that she was familiar with. She was the ship's captain. She would have had that charter. Yeah. Um, And then from basically her envisioning that charter in her hands, she basically was reading that charter as to what their goal was. Uh, Their goal was to reach a beautiful planet and colonize. So she goes ahead and basically envisions this planet. So again, another interesting word thing here. In the next line, it talks about um, from that cut, her blood scatters through the void. The isotropic universe nucleates around her droplets, um, which is just kind of interesting. That So it's to form a nucleus, but to form around a central area. Yeah. So you so... could say, like, it says, like, a nucleated village. So basically... Her blood or her, she was the center of this universe being formed. Which then makes sense with everything else that follows. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, um, and again, actually, one more thing I want to go up to before we go into the various breakdowns of her name. Um, earlier, it says the eye of Alelia. Uh, just listening to it, I think of um, like the I E Y E. Um, however, if you look at the card, it's actually written I, just the letter I. So it's, um, and I think that's that's important because it changes the meaning of what's being said. And I think that's important to notate because as we go down, it discusses I am Alelia, the guiding principle. I am, you know, this. I am this. I am. This. I think at this point she doesn't even know who she is, but she's like, I am this entity. The me of this entity is guiding to new worlds. Does that kind of make sense? Like, she's being reformed. It's almost like she's being born anew. Should we kind of know she is? She's becoming an awoken. And, like, she is acknowledging that the eye that is her self, um, she says she is the arrow that points to new worlds. Um, She saw new sun, new earth. So I figured it was, like, her memory maybe coming back. As she slowly transitions to realizing who the heck she is. I could see that. Mrs. Hyven, you're doing great. You have notes. Continue on. Yeah. So what I find very interesting, though, um, so the risk of sounding like 
weirdly biblical, but I think it's an important um, comparison to make here, considering she uses the phrase, so God may yet be surprised, and then later on says she refuses that God trap. I think it's important because as we read through all of this, she says, I am so-and-so, I am so-and-so. And, um, you know, if you're familiar with anything biblical, uh, uh, you know, there's the part where, you know, it, it, it says, I want to say it's like, he's talking to Moses or something. I don't know. He gives his name as I am, basically, uh, which I find interesting when you look at it with the comparisons here, because then later... And again, I'm picking up on a lot more of this after Hyman's explanation. Um, that that paragraph that's in those parentheses is so very important because it says she um, she makes that uh, real with a thought, and in that thought, she falls herself, undoes her transient divinity, meaning she comes down and is no longer like the world has built. Yep. So she is now done. She comes down and it says she binds herself and all those after her into the law, meaning basically the laws of those worlds, those physical laws, the the laws of physics in the world she has created. Um, Because she understands that the omniscient cannot explore and the omnipotent cannot struggle, which is something that she does not want. And it says she refuses that God trap. So although... She, like God, had created this universe and this world. She also understands that she does not want to continue that type of, like it's called, transient divinity. And this freaking entry is so freaking awesome. Yeah. So you see and how mind, that literally just one sentence from Hyven like blew like this wide open for me. You you said that perfectly. <clears throat> LMS, but, yeah. Go ahead. Seem to have a thought. The one thing I want to point out. It looks like that entire parentheses paragraph is happening within the space of two words. Yeah, because it says she makes it real with a thought. Because right here it's saying, I wanted to bring them to a place like hyphen. And then within that thought, she thinks of Uh this paradise world, the twin ringed, the impossible beauty, the sky milk bright within the stars. She makes it real with a thought. Therefore, she's making this universe real right there with that uh-huh. thought. But and then, then goes, within oh, that this. thought, before it happens to this, she brings herself down because she does not want to stay in that transient divinity. And I mean, it literally happens in like the snap of a finger. And it's yeah. freaking insane. I'm telling you, like, Hyden gave me her... one sentence and this yeah. whole freaking thing blew up. Well, like I said, I, I know because of reading, uh, you get a little bit of explanation on this card, but I mean, this is a little bit of just me seeing it a couple times. But, you know, we, you, as you see, it, it sounded probably like nonsense before, right? But yeah, as we work this down, like reals. every piece of this is really important. I mean, just what you were saying right there is basically she created all. She chose what this world was like in her standing. She decided that she did not want to be a ruler or basically could have made her a godlike figure of just creating all of this, right? But she decided that, you know, as you said, I have a crew. I had a ship. I wanted them to be, to bring them to a place like... She thinks, what did she want? She thinks, I wanted them to have a beautiful world. Wow, here it's forming. I wanted to experience it with them. I didn't want to be the God who created it. Bam, I'm now just a simple person who follows the laws just as anyone else who comes to follow me. And then, bam, she was like, oh, this. This is what I wanted. This is what I envisioned. The world is created. She awakens into the world as Alice Lee, not this godlike individual any longer. And I think that's why there's that naming 
this transition. This this is some. It's deep. This I told is you. Beautiful writing. I mean, like this is that kind of writing that just like makes you like thirst for more. You know, I mean, well, I, good thing I've never a been two. that kind of person. It's hysterical. Growing up, I, I'm a really poor speller, so I have a hard time reading. Um, <clears throat> so growing up, I really struggled with reading. However, I ended up having the same English teacher. It's going to sound wacky. Um, I swear I don't live in some backwards town. I just went <laughs> to a really funky private school. I had the same English teacher from fifth grade to sen- senior year. She just kind of kept promoting up with us. Um and she gave me this beautiful appreciation for literature. And I have oh, never thanks. seen it so... <laughs> oh, yeah, Alice is making a funny... You joke. had your own Mr. Feeney. I... Oh, my God, I did. We used to joke <laughs> that she would come to college with us just like Mr. Oh, my God, yeah. I didn't even think about it like that. But, yes, I had my own Mr. Oh my Feeney. That's a, the most accurate description. I'm going to text yeah. her and tell her that because I'm still in contact with her to this day. Oh, um, that is amazing. That's hysterical. But yeah, no. So it's crazy, though, because she gave me this crazy appreciation for literature. And I don't think I've ever seen it so... Useful? Fed. No, fed, so oh. fed before. I told you. I always tell you you don't do enough reading. I mean, you do plenty of reading at work, legal yeah. documents. But like, I think that's what it is. I don't, I don't enjoy story. a lot of reading. Um, but again, this is so different because we're sitting and we get to have this discussion. It's almost like I'd have to join a book club to get this kind of something. And quite frankly, we should have one. Book clubs are bitches. <laughs> I'm not sure that oh. with you guys. We'll have a our next I mean, podcast when we find time. will oh. be a book club. Wait, we are not a book club. Yeah, I'm right. Like, we basically I, are, but like we're we the best play, book club not, ever. We don't play a video game. We're just reading books. Right. I'm just like I'm <laughs> seriously. I mean. Yeah, no. We, this... we play the video game to get the books. Yeah, you this... get more listeners by uh, tagging our podcast as a book club. <laughs> oh my god! This entry has just been amazing. Um, amazing. Uh, amazing. Well, the good news is you said you wanted more before we ran. And we have an initiate two. We have some more formation. What are you? You ready for this? I am. Your I have a new commenter. sheet of paper. <clears throat> I have a new sheet of paper. Fresh okay, and ready to go is, for new notes. You know what's happening. This will make a little bit more sense. Here we go. <laughs> Stacy ate two. She was nothingness. If she existed before, she existed only as possibility, stretched across the ether. Once, there might have been a body that was an anticipation of the body not yet formed, and a soul it was an anticipation of the soul not yet encrypted. They were not yet real. Then the universe began, and she was free to be born. First there is a mandala, and upon the rings of that mandala are bright, are star-bright gems. Mararam, the closed symmetry, a secret within itself. And she cuts it off center so that it is imperfect, open at one end, not cycling back to its own beginning, but sublimely away into future possibility. Mara, the permutation of one relationship into another. Ma become Ra. Ra become what may yet come. Two points suggest a line. With that amputation, around that scar, she incarnates, awakens with a gasp, cold stone under her shoulder and back, 
and a face above her, radiant. Mara? The face says. What am I? Mara whispers. The second, the woman says. I am Elise. I think you were Mara. The sky behind Elise booms with stars, a haze of light like sun through mist, richer than a galactic core. Across that night sky arches the impossible twin shapes of a double planetary ring. Mara gasps in wonder. I remember, she says. I was on the tether. Then, sudden need to keep this memory secret shuts her mouth. We're on a world, she says instead. How long have you been alone? Forever, I think. Come. He draws Mara to her feet. I want to show you what I've found. It is a world that grows, a world that thrives. Stone is rich with veins of platinum, and Mara tastes tingling inclusions of transuranic elements in a fingertip of earth. Silver River flows in fractal deltas to lakes as still and bright as coolant pools. Acres of forests all woven at the root into a single tree. There is life on such variety and energy that each new crawling thing they see must be its own species. Or species do not mean anything at all here, and all that lives may intermingle. Judging from the horizon is a titanic metal spear. The head of the spear is a metal dish, kilometers across, buried in bedrock. I don't know what this is, Elise says. I only know that it's mine. They pass inside. There should be others, Mara says afterward. There was room for others, thousands of others. Where are they? They're in the same place you came from. We have to make them real. Lee stares at Mara. And coruscations of white fire map the tiny lines and furrows of her skin. Her bright eyes narrow. Why were you the second? Why you in particular? I don't know, Mara lies. It is the first lie ever told. The first secret kept. So on this sheet of notes, I have a lot more question marks than statements. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you th- what do you see in happening? I guess. What's your overview to start with? <laughs> okay, so it's my understanding that Alice Lee doesn't seem to fully remember previously as much as Mara does. That's what it seems. <sighs> and what, I was just curious. And what point? What? Where do you get that from? I I do agree, but. Um, between Mara remembering the tether, Mara remembering there were additional. I think she notices that it's additional because that giant spear is basically their ship. They pass yeah, no, so that was my and thing, she though. sees a bunch of the, space. the metal spear, I assumed, was Yang Liwei because Lee basically says, like, I don't know what this is, but it's mine. Additionally, that also kind of is why I think Lee doesn't have as much of a grasp as Mara. Mm-hmm. Um, on the previous, I I like that you picked feel... that up. That's something. Hold that away for much, much later in the book, probably okay. in a couple weeks. But the palindrome of Mariam. Oh, I didn't even think that. Oh, that's why she calls it a closed that, symmetry. She opened that's it why up. She's, mm-hmm, she's calling it a closed symmetry, <laughs> and she sees this name as meaning no future, and. And I really love how she does that with that palindrome. 
and cutting it off at the center to make it imperfect and to open it to future possibilities. Additionally, I enjoy the part where it says Ma becomes Ra, Ra becomes what may yet come, and it says two points adjust a line. As we all know, the fastest way to get from point A to point B is a straight line. So two points. She's um, adopted this new world very <laughs> with a let's move forward attitude instead exactly. of what did I lose. And I really appreciate how she symbolizes that with with the name. And that's the first thing she does because it says with that amputation around that scar, then she incarnates. So then she becomes. Exactly. So just as we saw Alice Lee, we're now just Elise basically kind of forming into back into herself. We have Mara doing the same thing. And it looks like they each get to shape themselves. Yeah. Or at least these two. Just, I found this very important because this is basically her foundation as an Awoken. This is, this is her number one building block as who she is as an Awoken. This is what everything else will be stacked up on. And I, one of the things I liked is once she goes into the ship and realizes that it's empty, um, that Elise says that they have to make them real, which is different than what has happened for these two. They made themselves yeah. Hold real. Hold on, I'll get to that. That's oh, in sorry. my note. I'll get oh, to that. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean <laughs> so ahead. my next question mark is... Why is she keeping her being on a tether a secret? Well. Or is that something I need to wait for? Well, no. It's just, did you notice she asks, why were you the second? Why you in particular? I don't know. I'm assuming know. it's because she entered first. Yeah. So she probably thinks that, well, number one, she was on a tether basically running away. You don't want to tell the captain of the ship that you were running. And then also... You don't well, also, now you got this yeah. new world, and now you're saying, oh, I saw something new for me, and I wanted to be first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I also feel. Tell her uh, about that. Yeah. I mean, those were two thoughts I had. I also thought Keep perhaps. That, that, that's going to lead into. She understands. Yeah. She understands that she can't have any kind of position of power as person running away in this new world. And so potentially that's why she kept that a secret, because she understood that. Because uh, Mara seems, like we've said, maybe a tish bit manipulative, but also uh, very forward thinking and very big picture. You're picking up a lot that. of stuff that is really good. You need to keep for later. You are seeing her manipulation in full right now, and you just don't know <laughs> it. So keep up the good work. All right, we'll get there. It's in the book. Covered. I was correct. That is Yang Liwei. All right, now we are to make them real. I just want to comment on how beautiful this world is, man. Oh, I would I mean, say yeah. Alice Lee did a great job envisioning this. I'm wondering if they had a scan of a world that existed. Because it was like Mara recognized this place. Like it was somewhere, it was maybe their destination. And she had envisioned this world. Mm, that's Although another thing it, I actually wanted to talk she about. Added some things, uh, okay. So it talks about Mara tastes the tingling inclusions of transuranic elements in the fingertips of Earth. Um, that is interesting. So transuranic means of an element having a higher atomic number than uranium. And when I looked up why the number for uranium is important, basically that is basically under certain conditions, things that are higher, it 
again, I could be wrong. If somebody's super sciencey out there, don't yell at me. This is what I understood. Basically, things that are of certain higher numbers are yielding a lot more energy. And it says uh, it is, is therefore, used to make bombs. If that yeah, kind of and it says it is exactly. therefore said to be fizzle, and we use the expression nuclear fission. Basically, it sounds like all of this stuff has such a higher energy than what, like, this world is basically made out of such high energy, which I think fits with what we've seen about, you know, the dark matter that surrounded them, basically them being, like, ripped apart by, like, all of the various radiation that we talked about in the last two cards ago. We talked about, like, how just, like, every type was coming in. And again, I think even when you kind of look at the Awoken, you can, they, they radiate that energy. I think that's what makes them glow. And so I assume that this planet is almost kind of like a planet version of the Awoken. Yep. And then I like that she says, and then in a fingertip of Earth. So I imagine basically it's with a design of something familiar. But like you said, they had the potential of all elements to form. So this is like Earth-like, which is why you see trees, rivers, animals, but so much more. And then I was just going to comment on, yeah, it says that fire map, the tiny lines and furrows of her skin, her bright eyes narrow. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's exactly what you were commenting on, how the Awoken have that glow in their skin. We see it radiating now. As and that's our, yeah, that's is. our first comment on that. That is all my notes. <laughs> Almost. What about you? That was really good, Mrs. Ivan. Thank you. I'm still stuck on the fact that Mrs. Hyven had her own Mr. Feeney. <laughs> her name was Barbara Piles. <laughs> hey, no, she she she's the teacher of mine that had the lazy eye that I had for all those years. I told you about her. I just didn't tell you how many years I had her. Yeah. She was my favorite. Um, but no, so so like you guys were were saying that it might have been, you know, based off of where they were, where oh, their yeah. their end goal was. Yeah. My thought. I think that was Hyven. <laughs> but, right, but it, my thought was more of like, what if this was just something that was spur of the moment kind of thing? Like, I don't think Alice Lee, as captain of the the Yang Liwei would have been captain the entire time without having a, a hobby or something. So what if she painted? Mm. You know, what if this is really? her rendition of where they were supposed to go? And that was kind of more, not necessarily that I think they had an exact location, but I think it was like in her mind, this is what she hoped to find. I think right. what you said is perfect. This is her viewpoint. Binary star clusters are really healthy for like life to form and stuff. And like, that's why I kind of said maybe she was including a little bit of like Earth like qualities when she designed it. Yeah, I think you that's nice. I never even thought about just like maybe in her free time, she just imagines well, the beautiful world that she's well, taking her then, people to. Because then, like, it, it would show why Mara feels so comfortable there. It's familiar. Earth like. That painting might have been in Alice Lee's office. You know, it, I, I mean, that little bit of a spin for a thought there. It's that's a right. nice one. I like that. So, like, Mara might feel comfortable because she already seen the painting of this somewhere else. Like, I mean, 
I'm totally going off in in left field, but I mean, this is my well, my head cannon. Well, not even even if it wasn't a painting, I could imagine a starship captain would have pictures of worlds and constellations all up yeah. on her walls. And Mara was just recently in the captain's quarters, so I don't yeah. think it's a crazy thing to imagine that this is familiar because the captain had she'd seen all the images that this captain loved. That's cool. I didn't think about that, man. I like Look at that. A little extra I want it to be real. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, Mrs. Hyvin, you have finally been pulled into fantasy and science fiction. Truly, you have become a nerd. You're, with those Yay! words, you want it to be real. That is, that's, right. the love for, that's the love of science fiction <laughs> and fantasy, man. Yeah. So anyways, your, can I get on to the next card? Because I want Yes. <laughs> we need to move on to the next card, to be honest. Absolutely. Yeah. We're hitting okay. two hours okay. and fifteen minutes here. We appreciate everyone who's listening. Right. Yeah. Sorry, we rambled a bit at the beginning, but <laughs> it was worth it. Come on. I love how you say two hours and fifteen minutes, but I'm gonna edit this down. I, I sure hope so. <laughs> so it's not gonna be two hours fifteen minutes. When I'm listening to this, I'm gonna see what like minute point that pops up at. See how much nonsense. All right. Well then why yeah. don't we not give it more nonsense? Okay, so um, the last of the Extatiate cards, number three. Two became four, and the four called out. And so the four became eight. And this manner conjured forth by their doubling, the sleepers did awaken. In time, the awoken spilled across the face of the world, and their number was 40,891. They drank of the sweet rain, and they ate of the fruit of the forest, and the starlight pooled as clear oil on their skin. First of their tongues was speech, and the first of their hunting weapons was the bow. Now the Awoken called out for a name to distinguish world from unworld. The 891 said to the 40,000, Let this world be named Tributary, for we dream of a great river, from which we have parted. But the 40,000 were troubled, and they asked to know the antecedent, the place from which they came. They did not awaken from their sleep that they entered, said the 40,000. In our rest we passed through some terminus, and our atavism was severed from us. How did it happen thus? So a council was called at the place where the rivers met to determine the nature and purpose of existence. Here was undertaken the first census, which counted 30,111 women, 10,295 men, and 485 otherwise. A fear arose among the awoken that the men and otherwise would be lost. Ellis Lee spoke first in council. But at the urging of Aldrin, many sought out Mara for secret conclave. Among these were Kelda Wadge, who would be the all-teacher, and Celia, who would be mother of Alicia. Saith Alice, we were granted this world by a covenant with high powers, and in that covenant we yield our claim to history. We abandon what came before, but in doing so, we cast off all our debts. Look forward. Let us explore this infinite cosmos and revel in its glories. A 
against her spoke Owom An, who was of the 40,000. We are alien here, said Owom. We must climb up our world line, back to the place from which we came. I call for a vote, saith Mara in secret. I think that we came here as safe harbor, and we cannot remain, we cannot forever remain. I remember the danger was appalling. I remember we were born in death. I think we must gather ourselves carefully until the time is right. From this council, there arose eight verdicts and a ninth. First, that the people were awoken and they were immortal. Second, that this world was tributary of another, but that it was forbidden to seek any way to rejoin the mother stream. For this reason, it would be called the distributary, for that was the proper name for a river that branches from the mother and does not return. Third, that the awoken would multiply in wombs of flesh and machine, but only after the most careful forecast of population and ecology, and only under the supervision of those who knew the good technology, for each new child would be immortal. <clears throat> Fourth, that those wise in the good technology should be heralded and heeded so that the U technology could be preserved. They would be U techs. Fifth, that the women should hold care and protection of the men and the others until more can be born. Sixth, that the purpose of the awoken should be to know and love the cosmos. Seven, that the awoken were created out of covenant with light and darkness, but the covenant was complete and no further debt would ever be called, except the duty of the second verdict to remain on distributary. Eighth, that the awoken were whole in themselves and they existed in balance. Ninth, that there would be no vote, but instead, Alice Lee would be recognized as queen. Her first pronunciation was that there would be no secrets among awoken, for Elise knew of the quiet council around Mara. And although she was neither jealous nor afraid, she remembered it carefully as a spark that might catch. Can I ever say it? Dang. Right. So, Alamis is going to be editing now, but we need to put it back in because it was in my mess up. But this straight up sounds like freaking like Genesis, Exodus like kind of stuff like so and so begets so and so and so and so begets so and so. I would actually argue not. The Ten Commandments, and now you've got the Nine Commandments instead. Well, and and, I mean, saying you've got the Nine Commandments of the Awoken. (laughs) But it's not, as you mentioned, generations being named. This is a council, a meeting to determine what's going on. The earlier part where it's like two became four, and four called out, and so four became eight. Yeah, they're they're bringing all of the people off the ship. Elemis, you had first comment, so let's. (laughs) Stop, Mrs. Ivan. It's all good. Um, no, like Mrs. Ivan made the point that it sounded very biblical, and to a point, that's what the Mara Senate is. It's the Awoken's Bible. Yeah. You know, it, it's how the Awoken came to be. 
so like, I mean, she's drawing comparisons to, you know, the commandments and to Genesis and everything there. And that's a very apt comparison, in my opinion. Yeah. He said I was apt. (laughs) (laughs) But no, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, here we've got, like, the creation of a new world. And here are the nine, you know, bullet points of the Awoken. I, I only meant that you mentioned that it sounded like generations being named, and I just no. I think that, that just kind of came about from the two became four, and four called out, and four became eight, and like that just kind of made me feel like that, like you know, and so and so had eleven children. That's just no. That's just explaining slowly that you know uh, the yeah, whole that, that, did not just show up. Yeah, they were slowly brought through. No, I agree, but it just yeah, there there are a lot of. But yeah, Elmas is right. This is the Awoken Bible. That's why I said I yeah. take it as history. It's, it's basically their history or their Bible. I'm crazy. Also, who is... Okay. <laughs> you are just going off. Jeez. I didn't write down questions. I don't even think you I... let Elemis finish. Look, I was concussed <laughs> the last episode, and so I got to make up for it. No, go ahead. <laughs> okay. So, first of all, first question. Their first of their hunting weapons was the bow. Is there like is is Mara like known for her bow? No, the Awoken are known for their bows. Well, okay. they are now, but that's why because their first weapon was a bow. Okay, it, I didn't it's know showing if there was like more primitive. development in in game because of that, and that's a good point, Hyven, because primitive. Yeah, that's a they had very nothing. good point. That is a very excellent point. Do, you know, I, I like that. Um. Okay, let's see. Moving down. Um, okay, I guess my question is, when they name the amount, and then there's, like, this very clear division, it's 40,000 versus under 1,000. So what is remember, the division here? Is this, like, the 40,000 that are in the little ice, ice? And then cryo the other ones are the ones that were alive on the ship? Yes, the 40,000 would have been the cryo. Well, it was in cryosleep, and if you go back up to one of the earlier cards, there were 40,000 in cryosleep, and there were 900 um, awake, basically manning yeah. the ship. Obviously, somebody's got to be awake to man a ship. They yeah. were the skeleton crew, if you will. Yeah, okay. And that's, and that's kind of what I thought, but I wanted to have more specification on that. Um, and then, so my thing now, before we even get into the otherwise of it all, um, Clearly, somebody planned the manifest for this ship. If they knew they were sending them off to recolonize somewhere, wouldn't they have planned for a semi-equal amount of female to males? Why is there such a division in the numbers? That is actually a good question. Yeah. My <laughs> only thinking was this is a probably a volunteer. Yeah, that's actually a really good question. My only thinking was they didn't expect this to happen. This ship would have been loaded with um, possibly things like SIVA and technology just to build. I'm sure um, repopulation wasn't the first goal. Um, You know, when you send a bunch of people to Mars to colonize it, if we ever do it for the first time, you know, they're not going to pick men and women. Um, They're going to pick whoever is the most qualified in their field to establish. You know, does that make sense? Like NASA is not picking one of each because they're not a repopulation mission. 
They're an yeah. exploration and a, an so establishment mission. Perhaps this mission. wasn't a repopulation mission. However, I, I mean, say, there is enough there to do so. Yeah. Although um, with those numbers, you would have thought that they right. would have. Yeah. Possibly. That's a good point. Yeah. That is, that's kind of, a, I guess, maybe that's why a lot of the Exodus missions crashed and didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Maybe, and so then to the next, maybe oh. like, maybe like they chose a bunch of bros who, you know, People thought, hey, they're going to be breeding anybody <laughs> like and everyone. You know, they may have thought about that. You know, technically, um, males can be a fewer number. That's um, true. Because you can breed multiple females, whereas you can only have, a, well, you could have twins, obviously. But you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. nine months before no, you have another kid, saying. whereas a father could go and make another father. baby like the and then if you've got that amount of women i think and the small amount of men even if you're fathering multiples you still have enough diversity in there to create a colony that could then still sustain themselves through also, more breeding from there also notice that the breeding they talk about in one of their laws is done through flesh and technology yeah. so it yeah, sounds like they too. were doing yeah. um they had the technology on the ship that they were able to recover and purpose repurpose or turn back yeah. on that they would have done breeding, not pro- they probably would. It would have been like test two babies. Yeah, you know, they, no, and I saw that. It just no kind mortality of was rate that... because they would have created, um, you know, artificial insemination stuff like that. So, um, and I mean, I guess too another thought on that <clears throat> actually, another thought on my own question, um, could be that they were at a time of war and perhaps they wanted they more men to stay it. behind. Before they left, remember, things were peaceful. Traveler, it was the golden age. This was before the collapse when they left. You're right. They weren't at a time of war, so never mind. That's not a valid... um, The only reason that the ship had weapons was for possible raiding parties. Um, Excuse me. Because remember, in the Black Armory papers, it was the Black Armory founders that were paranoid and, you know, they wanted to prepare. Essentially, they were the doomsday preppers. Yeah. And... The rest of humanity was was like, so like, so right. So like, the rest of humanity wasn't at war or anything. So the numbers just don't add up. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Okay. Well, I feel like though we did discuss a good potential reason for the need of more wombs. So I and additionally, yeah, could have been you know. Artificial insemination, I think, is probably how it was done. Okay, so moving And only on. under the supervision of those who knew the good technology. Yes, which is, yeah, I mean, what they could important. do. So that, just so you know, U-Tech is, refers to basically good tech. Um, we'll see later on, they eventually do discover or create or acknowledge Maltech. Um, but yeah, talking about all technology that is used for good. Did you have more things on your, more points? Or? So, I have a couple. Before I get into one that I feel like might be a little deeper, I would like to touch well, on... I have some crazy spin foily stuff, but I still yeah. have more just I would like to touch on the, the others. Oh, what, are they, what do you mean? The not male or female? Oh, I would assume that would just refer to children, in my opinion. Male and female children. Or maybe that is... Because it's my understanding that everyone in the Destinyverse has some form of gender there is no like non-gender character correct could have been exos but I, that wouldn't become that wouldn't have been there. so that wouldn't yeah i just assume them as children yeah could have been i think okay. other would probably just take in account possibly children 
yeah, anyone who maybe didn't have maybe a defined gender. You, you know, I think it just kind of acknowledges it. What I think that's almost just the writers saying men, women, and just other. Whatever somebody else wants to characterize that other is, I think almost is for interpretation at this point. Right. Because I, I kind of feel like if it was transgender characters, like they would be classified under male or female at that point. Yeah, and if you know, I know if and if it was not characterized as any, maybe they'd call like neutral gender. I know that's like a you know that's that's a, a thing that people might characterize themselves as, but also you know in sci-fi there's like third genders. You know, on different aliens might have a different gender that we don't understand, kind of thing. I think they might have called that out, so I kind of just assumed that is. I don't know. I guess I didn't put a lot of merit into that. I hadn't either until Mrs. Hyven read it, and then I sat there with my head tilted, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen anything that refers to as other from the Awoken now. And as Element has said, is anyone referred to as like transgender in any way? They would have probably just allotted them as in the the numbers. So, yeah, I don't know. When you do a when you do counting, you know, you always hear the men, women, and children. So maybe it's children and anyone else who doesn't characterized as grown male or female. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not 100 sure, honestly. I don't know that it has any significance just to state that their population had some diversity. We can leave it at that, I guess. Perfect. Okay, moving on. I have an agenda over here. Just kidding. So, two things. One, we see Aldrin now has gone by Aldrin. So that's important. We see that change here along with when the other names change. But I'd like to point out that it says... Alice Lee spoke first in council, but at the urging of Aldrin, many sought out Mara for secret conclave. Conclave means private meeting, so we see it's a secret private meeting. We're going to see in this book, like crazy, Mara has influence. As I said, the manipulation will be seen. However, yeah, it is she never has Aldrin out do in her the dirty front. work. Yes, but also she, as you were going to see, she kind of isolates herself. She yeah. does not want to be the head. I um, mean, it even says later on that Mara says in secret. Yeah, she tells um, the people who listen thought. to her. Yeah. She's influenced. People go, go to her, basically, because, you know, she was one of the, she was the second, you know, who came into existence. People go to her, I would assume, for yeah. thoughts to get her opinion. However, she's not the one standing there at the podium screaming her opinion out to the audience. Exactly, exactly. And then we see later how this can potentially become a point of issue. Um, as of now, it says that she um, knew about the Quiet Council from Mara, at least knew. But... That just uh, made me... Sh- I was yeah, just going to say that shows that uh, she got a little bit of a memory back said she remembered it carefully as a spark that might catch. So I think she was thinking back to remembering that Mara was not wanting attention, remember, as, as that young girl who was taking those full yeah. sensorium captures. <laughs> but she informed her that she had become some sort of basically hero in the eyes and she would become a martyr if something happened to her. So I think she's remembering that. that and I think 
Remember, I think I had said in that episode a little bit of foreshadowing. I think that Mara is also realized that she can be a silent leader. So I think they're both kind of remembering that interaction that happened in the captain's quarters. Yeah, no, exactly. How's your list? That's it. I'm good. You guys want to discuss kind of what their their nine verdicts are? Those all seem fairly reasonable, I would say, as like laws. The only yeah. they want both that and yeah. the fact also what they so they acknowledge that they basically are not. I don't know if you caught up caught that, Mrs. Hyven. I'm assuming you probably did, but they are still stuck in this black hole kind of thing. Yeah. They're basically in another plane of existence. So they realize yeah. that they cannot go back, but they came from it. So that's why they refer to it as the distributary, because they left the river, but they're not a tributary because they aren't ever going back. So that's why they refer to it as the distributary. Their new world gets that name. So they compare it to rivers, and I think that's very aptly put, because they are yeah. a branch of a river that has followed its own course. And yeah, that's kind of what they were fighting about in the beginning. Sorry, go ahead. The one thing I want to point out is that the first verdict is like they're naming themselves the Awoken, and (laughs) they're immortal. Yeah, Yeah, I read that, and uh, tonight is the first night we are actually using uh, video along with our audio, and I saw Elemis just shake his head with a big, huge no. So please expand. That might have been also because I was, um, I was gesturing to some oh, of the spoil stuff we're going to talk about. <laughs> well, My understanding, though, is that they are not immortal, but perhaps they got confused because they were not aging. They are immortal at this point, as far as they will never die of old age. Right. But Th- can they was... die of a like knife wound in this? Oh world? yeah, that we're going to get yes. into that. So see, that, that, I would say that, that was... you're. Not like I, I, I was shaking my head to Hyven, but it, it oh. also <laughs> works here because, like, they are immortal in the fact that they do not age. Whether they are nine years old or nine thousand years old, they will not it's die. Not to be nine forever. Um, and as you, but, as remember, I mentioned Maltech. That was, it's not a huge thing to say. Maltech is going to exist later in the cards which refer to weapons you can imagine when weapons get in the mix sometimes there's fighting yeah. so we're going to see that that progress this whole society is going through a progression we're going to get some shivs and some shanks <laughs> yeah, i guess so and some servitors yeah that too Shanks. yeah so i know they sound Magic super like balls that kill they may have started with bows but they quickly developed I mean, and have discovered the technology and harnessed it on their ship because they are like, you know, breeding humans in test tubes. And so you can imagine their Maltech is not going to refer to sticks and stones. They're going to have real weapons. Sticks and stones may break my bones where it's going to never hurt me. That's what that means. Except for here <laughs> where word becomes world. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Except for when Elise puts a giant mountain on your head. <laughs> Yep. Sucks to be you. So we talked about how they named the distributary. We talked about how basically they need to repopulate. They need to protect the men until that they can have more numbers. Yes, U-tech technology would be sperm. guarded by those who understood it and only dealt with the good stuff. 
I like number six. The purpose of the Awoken should be to know and love the cosmos. Yeah, I read that. And I was like, homage. it's also the purpose of Hyven. Well, it's the... Well, I, yeah, <laughs> but I think it's an homage to where they yeah. came from. They acknowledge that the cosmos made them into this, and they want to understand and love it. You know, they don't... They understand where this gift, if you would call it, comes from. And then number seven, they acknowledge that they were given something from the light and dark that formed them. But at this rebirth, they acknowledge that basically their slate was wiped clean. They owed nothing. That makes sense to me. Yeah. They basically are saying they want to start, you know. I feel like a lot of these are actually pretty logical and pretty self-explanatory honestly I'm curious I, how long it took them to discuss but it, we see there was a lot of arguing at the beginning so i'm assuming they probably like sat down you know wrote their constitution kind yeah. of thing i mean and i really like the one where it's like hey the only people who should be messing with this technology are the people who actually understand the technology because we only have an x amount of this and if i just yeah. let anybody go in there and haphazardly yeah. screw it up you have the opportunity like to have gone. a utopia a real like a happy world you know starting fresh what I'm just saying, like, if somebody needed to work on a computer out of the three of us, it ain't going to be me. Yeah, it would be Elmist, you know? Right? I'm just saying, like, chances are I'd wipe hard drive when you're trying to recover the hard drive. Like, yeah. Elmist is probably like, that didn't even make any sense. You can't wipe what you're trying to recover. No, 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 no. I'm I'm sitting here going, oh, God, I shouldn't give you root access and, and tell you to do RM-RF. So, no. <laughs> You definitely shouldn't because I'm just going to go Google those things and then screw them all up. Oh, Uncle man. Google is only helpful to a point, y'all. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you after the podcast, after the <laughs> recording. So I really love the fifth verdict that the women should hold care and protection of the men yeah. and the others until more could be born. Are they literally holding them? I like, hold I like the idea of a matriarchal society. Well, no. Thing. Like, yeah, it's a matriarchal <laughs> society. The women Which feels are fitting for the Mara's story. It made perfect sense. The women are the warriors, the scavengers, the the, are I guess rather gatherers. Everything uh, really kind hunters, of hunters, and the men are the lazy sacks that stay home and take care of the kids. So you see, so that makes that might have been something that maybe now. You there, Mrs. Hyven. No, you saw that Awoken, there's a lot of female characters. Well, this is why, because there weren't a lot of males. So because of basically just population, they became a matriarchal society. And uh, it continued on. So that's what they have. Yeah, that's pretty cool. The Awoken are in balance and whole. And then you notice number nine, they did not take a vote. They just, I don't know why this reminds me of the new monarchy, the consensus, by order of the consensus. We will abolish the consensus and appoint a monarch of impeachable character. (laughs) Sorry, that's another thing, but it's like super weird. And this is basically, they were like, let's establish all these good laws. And then it's like, we're not going to take a vote. We're just going to establish her as queen. Yeah. And like, it makes sense that she would be queen. Yeah, I think. Because she is the first. Mm -hmm. But I could... The fact that there was no vote or anything kind of makes it feel suspicious. Yeah, I would say you see there's a ruling party for sure. They kind of were just like, you know, maybe the followers of Mara were probably quiet and Mara wasn't standing up there. So she wasn't a she probably she, you know, she sees the need not to create a division. So I would think that 
it was basically just handed to Elise Lee. Nobody really was running against her. Well, and, and like you mentioned before, like Mara didn't want the leadership. Yeah. Or at least not yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, can we get into a little bit of the interesting spin foil? <laughs> I know what you're getting at. Not that this is canon at all. So, for a little bit of spin foil, I don't know if you, I don't think you caught this, Mrs. Hyman, but when you were asking. What I caught? Don't tell me what I caught. Maybe I caught it. You might have, but I just know when you asked about the numbers, you didn't you didn't bring it up. Um, but remember, <sighs> you asked me about me. the division of the numbers, and I told you that there were forty thousand and nine hundred. Did mm-hmm. you see how many made it into the distributary? Forty thousand and eight hundred and ninety-one. So nine were missing. Nine. So whether or not. So the secret of the nine or the nine that are missing. Well, based off the new lore books, I almost saw the nine. Alamus looks like, like he is dying to keep something in. Like he's trying. So, so I don't want to go down the rabbit hole because something. this is not basically this is nothing. This is canon, and we'll discuss this maybe when we go into the books. But the book dust is very abstract and kind of confusing. I would say. I'd like to point out, like two um, episodes ago, I said dust would be a good one, and I didn't even know what it was. It discusses the nine, and it really, the nine appear to be some sort of, they don't have bodies, they seem to want bodies, they seem to be like the dark matter that makes up mm-hmm. the universe around us. They like never us. properly awoken, they just like absorbed into the darkness. It could almost be a new life was formed. Yeah, that's... I, nine of them went. I could and, totally and, like, see that. We'll dive into that when we actually get into... Dust. The, the lore books for it. I'd like to point out Dust is the one that Hyven was calling and freaking out about. Yeah. yeah I'm like, oh, hey, babe, I just land in Atlanta. Oh my god, I gotta tell you what else I read. Well, we've been questioning the Nine for so long, babe. No, I know. I know. They literally like, both have been discussing how it like broke their brain. For me, it was a, a different lore book, but oh. I, I was excited. <laughs> I was ruined about that one already, so I knew it was coming. I still freaked out when I read it, though. I'm I'm still going over that one in my head. But no, like, Dust will be a good one to go over. And no, I'm, I'm thinking of Ecdysis. Yeah, that Dust is uh, Lavinia, yeah. the, crypt, the young Cryptarch who goes to explore, mm-hmm. find the Nine. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I didn't really want to get in too much of a spin foil of a thing. But just I just thought that, number one, you know, oh, we have too. Nine missing. We have nine edicts or like verdicts, laws being created. So, and we know later on in life, Mara has some dealings with the nine. And we also know that that emissary of the nine is somebody that Mara knows. So, like, we'll get into that. I don't want to take us down too much of a bigger topic. Um, I guess yeah, we could choose to go over that or not. But basically, the emissary of nine. I've got a ton nine, of spin about that. Yeah, basically, Alice the is like, of, don't open this can of worms. So just yeah, the emissary of the nine don't. is is awoken. Um, so just know that it appears that the nine and the awoken have some sort of relationship. <laughs> You're killing elements right now. And it's just really cool to see that there are little like maybe they don't mean Red anything, 
but dest I mean bungee writers don't put things like that in here unless it's to poke at us for, for some reason. So I see a tie between the Awoken and the Nine. It is not confirmed, but if you didn't already know that, pretty crazy. Nine are missing. Got nine verdicts. Uh, right. Yeah. So it's almost before like... we explode further, should we just say... put a pin in that? Let me hear what Elemis or has. Can Elemis? Can you For... say something without exploding? Yeah, I can. <laughs> I can. It's almost like Bungie's trying to move away from their whole typical seven theme to nine i know right somebody asked me someone who's not really averse with the lore asked me why the the symbol for season of the drifter on all of our new armor weapons is not a coin the drifter symbol i was like like what is up with all these dots i was like count the dots there are nine (laughs) of them the nine are very important this season and they were just like whoa i didn't even know that and i was like Oh, mind blown. <laughs> count the do- everything. Dude, I can get crazy with that. You count the dots on Hawthorne's head. There's nine of them. Let's not get crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it probably means nothing, but nine is referenced like crazy, like Elmas said. Bungie is known right, for guys. seven, but Destiny is known I for nine. I have a pin. I'm literally holding a pin. I'm going to stick right. it in right here. It's in my mouse pad. There's a pin officially stuck in this topic. We are going to move on before both of you either explode or just like we're here. Right. Yeah, we're coming up on three, three hours. hours of raw recording. So <laughs> yeah. even with editing, this is going to be a long one. So you want to yeah. take it home, Elemist? All right. I'm covering the very last card for the night. Fideicide 1. In those days, there was a great birth of adventure among the Awoken. Hunters and pioneers sought the shape of the world. Sailors charted the skein of rivers and the perimeter of seas. And astronomers plotted the motion of the crowded heavens. Over this age ruled Queen Elise Lee whose work was the creation of agriculture and the preservation of the U-technology that she deciphered from the ship spire. But there remained in the forests many tribes of huntresses who preferred their light-footed freedom from comfort and duty to the painstaking surplus of the city. Among these tribes, Mara lived with her brother, whose name had returned as Aldrin, and with Osana, their mother. It is said that Osana lived as a negotiator and that her son brought her news from other tribes, for he was a scout and hunter of renown. Mara dwelt alone on a mountaintop. In the tribes of the forests and the sea, there was the belief that the Awoken had been made out of a friction between contesting forces and that one day this conflict would need to be resolved. These were the ecclesiasts who preached that Awoken owed a debt to the cosmos. In the cities, however, they lived by the seventh verdict under their queen, and they said the Awoken had been created by cosmic gift and carried neither responsibility nor eschaton. These were the sanguine, who preached that the Awoken were as stable as an atom of carbon. 
Now there arose among the ecclesiastes a woman out of the 891 who called herself the diacern. She went into the cities, calling out, I accuse the queen of deicide. When she was questioned, she spoke of a foundational crime. Elise Lee was the first to awaken in this world, the diacern preached. She set the terms of our existence. We could have been gods free of want or suffering. Instead, Elise Lee chose our mortal form. Our queen is complicit in all the pain we experience. The queen murdered all our unborn godheads. At the thought that the queen, without secrets, had kept this most appalling secret to herself, the sanguine city folk were deeply troubled. Thus began the Theodicy War. All right, so we got a lot going on here. I know you probably are ready with your list, Mrs. Hyven. It's not crazy. Just we? No, no. I just, I just know that I'm, I'm labeled as first comment, so I didn't. <laughs> I was just giving you a quick what I see, what we got over here. So basically, we have different groups. You have the city dwellers. We also learned that uh, Elise Lee did establish all of the technology. They were able to decipher it from what they referred to as the ship's fire. Basically, they were able to take some of their old technology and use what they learned to make new technology. At this point, they built up a beautiful city. However, we still have tribes who like to live basically more free in the wilderness. Mara being one of them. You see her mother and brother are with her. Mara not just being one of them, but Mara living on a freaking mountaintop alone. Like, be so, yeah. more so, of a Bond I, villain or something. I was going to say, so there's a bunch of people who live out in the yeah. back, but she still, I mean, it's not necessarily a Bond villain. It's Mara. She lived on the ship's hall by herself. No, she she's likes the freaking Grinch. She's got she a dog up there. She's the no. freaking <laughs> Grinch. No. I, as a person who is very introverted, understand the desire to be alone. Don't map. you think living on a mountaintop is a bit extreme? When you have this beautiful world and anywhere to live, I mean, there are tribes in the mountains. She's probably just in her own, you know, encampment. This is not like she's 20 miles away up on top of a mountain. I'm just saying it specifically says alone. Yeah, she has her own camp. But that's very Mara. She it lives is. outside the ship's hall. It is. And I don't know basically, why that seemed more normal. Now it seems more yeah. manipulative How do you and think, diabolical. You think living on a mountain is crazier than living on the outside of a ship? But now it seems space? more manipulative and diabolical. And like, I'll sit here and judge from afar while you all ruin and want me. But that's a little bit of our bias of we're kind of seeing what we assume Mar is doing. Um. You're kind of a little right, but at this point, let's try to just say we see Mara living alone. At this point, she is not influencing the government that's happening, right? Are we in agreement that currently she has not, well, done anything other than just kind of told the people who asked her questions her opinion? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what of these crazies she spawned. We don't, well, we're going to get into that, but we see there's basically two types of thinking. There's these mountain dwellers who become the ecclesiasts, 
who believe that they owe something to the cosmos. And then there's the sanguine, the city dwellers who follow at least the queen, queen Elise Lee's original verdicts that basically nothing is owed, that their debt is paid. And we also have an important character here among the Ecclesiasts, the diastrum. Keep that in mind. She is going to be a very, she's basically the leader of this group and she's going to be important uh, because we see this become, this begins the theodicy war. So you basically have, imagine like yeah, the civil war, you have a, have the queen, the queen of deicide. So yeah. Which is defined as oh, the killer of a god. So, so that is kind of an overview. I'm sure you definitely could fighting words. down. I'll let you go through. Right. Yeah. Okay. So. We can get into a little bit more what their fight and argument is. That whole dive. Obviously, we see more of, like, civilizations. Like we said, tribes forming. All of that stuff. People taking kind of their specific, like, we'll go here, we'll go here, we'll go here. All of that good stuff. Um, yeah, again, I seriously wrote down dwelt on a mountaintop Grinch slash evil villain. That was my note. Um, but I already <laughs> that. evil villain, but yes. Oh, imagine like a home up in the mountains, you know, you can snowboard down. I genuinely believe she's nice like, I'll be up here whispering my little secret okay, no she has contact with her down she there. has contact with her mother and brother and yeah. clearly other people they know where she lives she comes i'm not saying I mean, they come and ask questions but people. you are right like you just said why everything explodes down there she's smart enough to be away from the craziness that is becoming the like establishing of sides you know yeah exactly i i have yet to just okay I might be leaning more towards, I was about to say, I've yet to determine whether or not this is self-preservation and smart um, or whether or not this is manipulative. I am leaning more towards the manipulative and not in a way that I thus far feel like I can respect her. I told again, you she was a I don't but... see the full picture that she is seeing. So perhaps when all is said and done, I will be able to say, okay, yes, I understand your decision now. And even though I might not fully agree with how you came to this, I can agree that it was needed, but I'm not there yet. So I'm going to try my oh. best to keep an open mind and say she I is am... not an evil villain. I am curious. What do you think, based on what you have read, because it sounds almost like you have read ahead. What makes you think she's manipulative based off of what has happened so far? She's keeping secrets, first and foremost. And um, why is that bad? Because I feel like she so is far kept doing... one secret. Yes. Okay, she's keeping the secret, and I feel like she is doing this in the way of self-preservation, and there's no other reason than um, to protect her own image to do so. Okay. <sighs> Let's see, why else? I'm glad that you said that, because that is a point that we will talk about later on. That original lie comes comes into play. I feel as though her cutting her name, I know it sounds weird, but I feel as though it was almost the start or symbolism of her wanting more. She never wanted or seemed like she wanted more when she was on the ship. She was fine with where she was. She was content there. But now it almost seems as like she wants this open-ended future to attain and grasp more. 
what that more is, you know, is not necessarily specifically seen. Additionally, let's see. Again, just I feel like she kind of undermines Lee a lot by doing all these like secret things or all of that. What she was doing on the ship that Lee did not approve of was not necessarily her trying to undermine Lee, but just doing something that made her happy. And we see on the ship that she very much so admired Lee. So the behavior of how she is meeting in secret and saying her thoughts in secret, potentially, even if she agrees with Lee, the fact that other people need this secondary assurance from her undermines the authority of Lee. Her brother urging those to seek her out feels like manipulation on her part because she gets to keep her hands clean. And especially with the fact that Aldrin would do anything for his sister. Yeah, which we know. Um, so why don't, why don't I stop you there and we dissect a couple of those things? Because that is a lot I of good points. I think those are pretty much majority of my points but i can confirm without a doubt i have not read any of the additional show notes moving forward this is purely based on what i have heard what i'm reading and interestingly enough i think it kind of almost conflicts with the bias i know from you guys thus far so i don't even think that i'm necessarily developing my bias purely on the things that you guys have yeah no i think you are looking at her and thinking of her but because what you yeah, if you don't know what you're doing, she does seem conniving a little bit, manipulative. Sorry. I need to say one more thing, and it's going to sound very weird. As much as I say how much I love these female characters and the female representation, which I do, unfortunately, there is just this innate ability. It sounds really horrible to say, but I feel like the way culture and society has like made women is women are do not stand with other women we typically get bitchy and take our claws out at other women and i think i'm almost looking at her more judgmental than i would a male character because she is a female character um so i I think i've got her more under a scope and under a lens because i tend to be bitchier towards other females despite the fact that i don't want to be that is a perfect point there's been discussion about that i was listening to a focus fire episode and also just in just the whole community in general. There's been a lot of discussion on why do people, some people hate Mara, and it, some people, because they don't, the fact that she's a female character, these strong, powerful qualities in a male character are seen very differently, whereas the fact that she is a female, they are looked to as manipulative, conniving, negative. Exactly. So like, as a male, I, I would be like, maybe, oh, those are just good tactics, you know? But and like, you know yeah, and I think maybe society has almost shaped you, even though being a female, that you look at her with suspicion. We also know that you yourself could be could used to be very gossipy and look at other people. Well, and you know, and I think additionally, so it's weird. It's like this very weird thing. Like, I want to be a female who looks out for other females. Like, I don't want to be that gossipy bitch I used to be. Like, I've tried very hard to change. However, A, old habits die hard. But B, I think, I also am getting bitchy with her because, like I said, I feel like she's undermining me. And I don't like that because, I did, again, I I feel like she's doing what I'm doing to her to Lee. 
Well, you so know? my question for you is, why do you think that Alice Lee's law is law? She was established as a dictator. So if you think of it that way, people are coming tomorrow with suggestions. She is giving her thoughts. The fact that her thoughts are different than the overwhelming, basically, monarchy. I would voice to you, why is that so bad that she has a different viewpoint than Elise? Well, I'd say for first, first point, this is what was agreed upon. Whether it's right or wrong, this was the government that was established. Would you agree that the governments can be wrong at times? I agree. I agree. But whether it's right or wrong, this is what was established. So perhaps there was a better way to go about this. You just think she should be um, doing it on the open. Yes. Either out in the and, open and, or and going to what, Lee and saying, hey, Lee, like, I've got people coming to me talking about this. You know, maybe you and I can discuss this together. Like, yeah. And, you know, kind and of that that's whole, like, exactly, reaching across the aisle thought and helping one another instead of trying to tear each other down and not helping anyone in the process. That's why me and Elmas both agree at the beginning that Mara is manipulative possibly for good goals that a lot of people don't like her because they might not agree with her tactics. And that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to think like, okay, maybe the ends do justify the means, but I'm not there yet. So I cannot establish that thought wholly just yet. And, and I will point out that you're not crazy. Um, Did we notice that Elise Lee said that they don't owe anything Mara says that she thinks that the distributary is a location where they would need to prepare for a, you know, a future to possibly, I forget, what does it actually say? I think that this is just a place of safe harbor. We cannot forever remain. I remember the danger was appalling. I remember we were born in death. I think we must gather ourselves together until the time is right. So she thinks something, they have a bigger purpose and Elise Lee thinks that they should just live there peacefully. So those are two different viewpoints. Now did you notice that's Mara and Elise Lee. Now we get down to this card and we see those same viewpoints only they are now Elise Lee's group and the Disarum's group. The Ecclesiasts. The Ecclesiasts think that they owe something back. So you're not you might not be crazy and saying that Mara might be influencing because it, we see that Mara has a very similar... She's basically rose up, whether or not she did it purposely, she has rose up a group that has that is standing in direct conflict to the main government. She didn't go as far as accusing them of deicide, but she said that she thought that they had you know, a future purpose. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I agree. But I, I mean, and that's going. why, like, it, it's hard for me. I'm trying not to make judgment because, again, I oh, just I've wait said, until we get. You might be, you might hate Mara. Once but you again, find out some of the I stuff she knows, you know, like <laughs> I had you guys know your bias at the beginning of this episode, and I think it's important that that was done because now, as I move forward, I need to continually recheck mine. And I, I appreciate that you asked why do I find her manipulative because I think it's important that I have points for what I'm thinking and what I'm saying and additionally it wasn't until after I said everything that I realized that maybe I'm coming at her with bitch claws so like maybe I need to reel those back in 
and like think and step aside for a second and maybe think, okay, maybe she's not being a bitch. Maybe Lee is wrong. Maybe she really does have the greater good out in mind and not just possession of power for herself. I don't know yet, so I shouldn't be making those snap judgments. That's me being a judgy bitch. And I would say that I guess you're thinking of her as manipulative. I'm thinking of her with the same thoughts, but in a positive, cunning, witty, you know, that I think yeah, what is like, better like to attack said, If she was a male, ideology. like, military leader yeah. or a male, like, revolutionist, I would be like, oh, my gosh, she's so tactical and strategical. Exactly. And so, like, yeah, maybe I should be thinking of her more like that. But, again, I don't know the it's end you... of this war, yeah. and I don't I would... know which side I want to be on yet. And I was just going to say, how do you, what is the best way to fight an ideology head on or sometimes from the shadows? I think that Mara, remember I pointed out some foreshadowing about how Mara understood how powerful she was as an icon to the people of Yang Liwei Mm -hmm. as basically almost like that idol that they look to. I think now as an Awoken, she is an established woman who once again, sees the power of an icon and that it doesn't always have to be out there front and center looking for that power because she never was and she got that power. And I think she has appreciated that. And keep that in mind because I would like to think that that's almost an unbiased viewpoint of Mara. That that thought that Mara understands the power that can be held from the shadows is going to continue on throughout this whole book and remember that Elise Lee or Alice Lee at the time was kind of the one who taught her the importance of that yeah yeah and that's going to come up you are not crazy a lot of your (laughs) thoughts are going to probably you're probably going to continue on this path whether or not you come back to kind of the side me and Elemis feel if anything the future the books that we're going to discuss are probably just going to reinforce that a little bit because it's only going to get a little bit worse as far as what you are viewing as the manipulativeness. <laughs> Elemist, I know that he's been just kind of nodding along, but yeah, me and Mrs. Hyven have just been kind of ranting now against each other. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> all good. Voice. Like, Elemist is just like, mediating our marriage with nods. Right. And how does that make <laughs> you feel? <laughs> Um, but no, like you guys pretty much hit on every thought that I had on the entry. Um, All right. Yeah. The thing was just, we talked about how Elise Lee decided not to be a God. And these people are pissed off that she, she didn't make them all gods. She chose a mortal form. So we said they're immortal in the fact that they don't die of old age, but they have a mortal form as far as. They are mortals. They can be killed. I think that's kind of where it leaves us. There's a view. I don't think it's like, I don't think it's more of like they can be killed. I think it was more of like, oh, we are not gods because we are hungry. We have to go get water. We have to, you know, all this bit. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. That's a better description. I'm sure people know what mortal means. I just know it can be confusing. Think of mortal immortals. But I think right. you hit the nail on the head. Still require sleep, food. You know, they they won't die as long as they take care of their bodies properly. But they still have those needs. 
right. I I think that a better way of describing them would be ageless mortals. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I mean, so that's a different viewpoint, honestly. I almost can't be mad at Elise Lee because she chose a simpler life, but I can see how they could get pissed off and say, you're not a fit queen, you had the ability to make us anything, and you chose this. You know, like, there's there's not really a... I wouldn't know how to mediate that fight. I see why a full-on war is about to break out. Yeah, those kind to of me, my thoughts coming up. To me, the general populace, like the diaserms group, mm. they sound like the people. Like they, they sound like the people who are pissed about Destiny and Destiny Two in the actual lore book. <laughs> like yes, I, why doesn't everything? Why isn't everything perfect? Yes. Exactly. That is like so fitting. It it they they it, it's literally the Bungie writers <laughs> took all the fans the that Morrison are pissed is. about Destiny and put them into a lore book. Yeah, Bungie was like, "We're the queen. We made you this beautiful world." The fans, <laughs> but it's not perfect, right? Oh my gosh, that is exactly what's happening. All right, well, I didn't expect that rant there at the end between me and Mrs. Hyven, but I'm really glad that we have different viewpoints as we go along. You have anything and else? I, I especially appreciate just seeing Mrs. Hyven's progression through this. Yeah, me too. It, it's fun for me. <laughs> for sure. Well, are we ready for shoutouts? Do you have anything else to add, Mrs. Hyven? You got real quiet after you got all fired up. No, because I said my piece. See, I like this discussion. We're, I don't feel like we argue like horribly, you know? I think we are actually like constructive, which yeah. is kind of our goal. This is kind of like the feedback we're up for. We're just giving it to ourselves now. <laughs> well, that's just kind of, that's why we have three hosts. Me and Elemis tend to kind of just nod and agree, and then we'll make points that maybe conflict each other and be like... That's a really good point. You might be right. <laughs> and then we move on. So it's nice to have the third voice to uh, challenge us. And especially, you know, having the newbie perspective. Yeah, that really helps too. Yeah, it, it's really, really hard to compartmentalize all the things that are in my head, you know, that I'm not supposed to know reading this card, you know? We're not just talking about me knowing the whole book, but we're talking about all of the interactions I've ever had with Mara in Destiny 1 and 2. So, yeah. Well, I have crying dogs. Um, so I'm ready to go to shoutouts. Samesies. All right. Sleepy. <laughs> First shoutout, always, Ishtar Collective. It, again, like, I, I, I'm a broken record at this point. My job would be so much harder without them. Second shout out. Actually, I'm gonna do a shout out to Destiny Sherpa Services. Uh, I found them on on Twitter, and they they're setting up an actual service for 
anybody who needs to learn a raid or wants to learn a raid or wants to learn how to do better in PvP or it, all kinds of different aspects of the game. And they're setting up this free service. Mm-hmm. I know there used to be a, a clan that would run people through raids. And I think it has just expanded. Yeah, I love that too, man. That's so awesome. Well, I'm like, so I just joined their Discord and I sent information to one of the, the founders to try and get myself set up as a, a Sherpa for Xbox. Awesome. That's awesome, man. I'm glad that you're Sherping. Yeah, I mean, because people, <laughs> you can you can pay to have somebody to get you a special specific pinnacle weapons and crucible or run raids for you to get the gear. But I love that they don't exploit anyone. But they're just, and they also want to right. teach. They don't run people through. They teach people all the encounters, which is really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. That the is whole, my big thing. Give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Teach a man a fish, he'll eat for a lifetime kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's an awesome shout-out, man. My shout-out's not as great. <laughs> <laughs> Who's comparing? Right, Me, I win. judge our shout-outs pretty hard, yeah, you, you know. <laughs> My shout-outs are to Lavinia and Oren. Read your lore. You had to get... Fine. Elemis has left his chair, you guys. And now he's pointing at the screen like a disappointing father. Oh, now he's just out of... Oh, he's just out of the screen. There's some others I would like to shout-out, but those two for really... (laughs) Really giving me a a good perspective on things. So, those are my shout-outs. Just breathe. Just breathe. (laughs) Mrs. Ivan, take it away! I don't know. I didn't really have a shout-out plan this week. I thought one would, like, just come to me because it typically does. Um, I kind of already shouted out a little bit to the people who reached out this week, which, by the way, again, you're awesome. You the best. You the, you the best. I'm also kind of tired now, so I'm about to hit silly. But again, I, I think I just kind of want to shout out our listeners. I know it's been a weird couple of weeks with us between concussion and now muscle spasms and new puppy and all this craziness. So, you know, I've posted twice now, like, oh, hey, it's going to drop late. Granted, only one of them will. But nobody was like, how dare you? You're the worst. But... um. So, yeah, just thanks for being supportive and understanding that that we, too, have lives that sometimes get a little hectic. But at the end of the day, we really love doing this. So we're always going to try our best to get something out to you guys, especially right now because the Mara Sana is so freaking awesome. And I'm kind of pumped that I get to do this again on Saturday, like closer together. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so thank you guys. I just, yeah, just appreciate all of our listeners. And, uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's it. I also appreciate Elements, who just rolls with the punches when our family is just a bit crazy. <laughs> yes, greatly appreciated. Lots of thumbs up and appreciations for everything. And, yes, my our, our older puppy is actually the one giving me trouble right now. So... <laughs> can hear whining in the background i do apologize Love. but shout outs to the fans and 
My co-host, like always. There's some real shout-outs for Elemis. <laughs> Not my one to get you tilted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I Elemis screen didn't freeze because that was an awesome reaction. Well, that really was. Like, you keep poking at me, and I keep wanting to go on my spin foil rant, but I, I just... Mm. All right. Well, let's bring this train into the station. Elemist, as our host, <laughs> anything else to add, or are you ready to take us out? Uh, I'm... Mm-mm. I, mm. As always, we ask for feedback. Uh, you can contact us on Twitter at guardians underscore lore you can email us guardians underscore lore at outlook.com or leave us a review on apple podcast google play or google podcast i think it is now mrs hyven watches the the reviews on apple podcast and <laughs> she screenshots them and sends them to us and it it makes my day yeah it makes me warm and fuzzy inside just to see somebody Right. They That's always like respond it. and then like if I'm not with Hyven, he'll call me and be like, That one was so cool. Yeah, so, even if I yeah. don't have time to like respond to like these guys, I'm always like, Oh, that's awesome. I was like reading. So and that's not saying that you guys only have to give us positive ratings and feedback, but and I do appreciate those, you know, you're genuine. Uh, and I do feel like our, our listeners are genuine, so it's really, really nice to hear. I get like super excited when I get to respond to somebody on Twitter when when we got the message this week, I don't know. It was just, it was so great. I was like, did I respond well? I feel like that was a good response, right? <laughs> like, because for real, I mean, I don't think you guys understand. Like, I don't know. I feel like I'm such a loser over here. So thanks for talking to me. <laughs> um, but if you're really just trying to get to high or elements, just let me know. I, I, I pass on all the messages. Especially if you guys ask like a legit question, you're not getting an answer from me. I promise it's coming from one of them. <laughs> I just want to point out, you guys gave me flack because you told me the episode wouldn't actually be two hours and 15 minutes. Well, now we're at three and a half hours of raw recording. So I have a feeling the episode is going to be at least three hours. So thanks for staying with us this long. <laughs> I and will find a way. Yeah, Elemis, <laughs> just edit like everything if you could just cut every other word we said and kind of like splice them together into just the <laughs> important thoughts <laughs> right yeah <laughs> but so with that if you're still here bum, bum, bum. goodbye <laughs> goodbye guys <laughs> oh goodbye neck brace off so i don't That's sound so like different. strangling What's so different? It, I don't think it sounds that much different. Well, I'm just no, worried that if I if I lean back and I'm gonna go forward like this with it on, it'll make me sound really really weird. But okay. we'll see. You'd, you'd probably sound weird anyway. Yeah, probably. Just weird be mindful. As long as my Your body is, needs. My body needs. Uh, yeah, that was a weird yeah. thing to say. I shouldn't what? have said body needs. <laughs> Okay, we started the recording before Crazy. we spice this thing up too much. Um, Should I make some licking noises? I went down a... Oh, Hyven's going to kill you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just thrilled about the cutscene and the lines and everything, and then powerful loot? Heck yeah! <laughs> I'm saying one more time? Yeah, dude, we need to clip Heck that. Heck yeah!
That is <laughs> for that real. We do need to clip good. that. We need a sound. Oh my god. <laughs> we need to start making some sound bites for real, for reals. We've got some good ones over the last couple episodes. We're gonna get on that. All right. Spattering. Phone. Somebody. I don't got that. Phonemas. Our purpose is orthogonal to yours. I need to do that again. I think that was right, but my brain froze. Right. Okay. Let's <laughs> do any big words in this Mars kind of book. I don't know. Orthogonal. Orthogonal? Are you sure? Ortho- yeah, okay. I guess. Orthon- orthogonal? Yeah, no, because then the N would be above. Orthogonal. Ortho- ortho- orthogonal. Kind of like diagonal, only this is basically or- different. Ortho instead of diag. Yeah, gotcha, it's gotcha, like, gotcha, 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 ortho gotcha. is like different than. Yeah. I thought I was smart until I started reading this book. Jeez. Okay. Me too. <laughs> okay, I'm not alone. Cool. All right, let me pause and then I'll go. Not just visible luminance. For certain. Damn it. Too many head injuries, man. You're struggling. Wheels. <laughs> just, just take a, a moment. Breathe. You got this. Crepscular. No, that's not right. Crep. It's like a, it's like a vein. Vascular. Crepuscular. Like, like vascular, but yeah, crepuscular. 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 I'll type it in. We can get the audio if you. Yes, please. Uh, only reason I know that word is because Bill Engvall did a skit about him <laughs> playing Scrabble with his wife. You ready? Yeah. Crepuscular. Yep. I don't know if Crep- you guys can't hear this. Crepuscular. 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 I mean, I could put it on there for you, but yeah, I won't. Okay. I got it. I got it. Thank you. You got this. Nothing that has glimpsed this collision of infantudes. <laughs> Damn it. In- infantudes? Infantudes. Infinitudes. Infinitudes. Yeah, that sounds right. Infinitudes. Infinite nudes. <laughs> yep. Infinite nudes. Like the pictures oh, she was lordy. taking. Infinitude. Now I'm going to say infinite nudes. I just know it. Sorry. Infinitudes. 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 In, like infinity and attitude. Infinitudes. Infinitudes. Like, who wouldn't enjoy infinite nudes of Mara? I mean, come on. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> okay, I got this. Yeah. So, Mrs. Hyven, just as a heads up, you're going to have to pay attention fairly hard. Things are going to start getting confusing. Um, it's going to move from the happy, like, well, not really happy, but the story of things we understand to you're going to get to some aspects that are probably not going to make sense. So, I think I'm going to not talk a ton. I know it says I'm supposed to be the first comment. I want to see kind of what you Okay. Thing. So I might, make a little, I might make a I little I might make a little thing and then I'll ask you maybe your thoughts. Because these next cards oh, are gonna it. end up the formation <laughs> of the awoken and it gets kind of No, I got it. Okay. I have pen and paper. Oh my god. I'm goodness. gonna write down my <laughs> thoughts as I continue to help me focus because <sighs> Yeah, I have both the dogs. You have no excuse right I'm now. Super freaking hyper right now and also I just want to keep shoving my face full of food. I just ate chips, but really, I want more. Carrots. I haven't eaten anything, and you guys are eating like fools. So you know what? You know what? You know what? 
Okay, can we, can we Do start? you know what? Why do you sound like you're <laughs> sleepy drunk already? I am. Well, then we I should... have a lot to keep this up. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the video is so much better now. <laughs> Seriously, right. I need a video camera, you guys. You have no idea. I'm, like, insane over here. Like, even just, like, the hand motions I use when I read. You guys are way too calm. All right. Well, uh, what am I trying Anywho, to say? okay. Bloopers Ellen, aside, let's go. You go right, right ahead. I have my pen and paper. I can't show it to you, but I have it. And I will still start, I guess, since I'm the first comment, but I'm just going to no. kind of move it over to you. Shut okay. up. I've got it. <laughs> no, I'll take the first comment, but I will ask you kind of what. Okay. All right. Ugh. We've had sleepy drunk, and I'm an angry sleepy drunk. Just kidding. Let's do this. <laughs> okay. We might not finish this episode, guys. Are you we're doing gonna it? Two, we're going to hit two hours and still have a lot left. Okay, let's do this. I can do All right. this. Good job on that reading, man. Getting through her name as it morphs. Right? Dude, I was like, Elilia. For real. You, like, nailed Elilia, that. Elilia. 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 Because I, I, I am going to have edited it out, uh, there was a point where, like, Hyven and Mrs. Hyven were talking with each other and dealing with the dogs. I found that word, and I was focusing on how to say it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like, everything else, I was like, ah, eh, tautologies, okay, whatever. I, Lelia. Like, I'm focusing in here, and I'm going to nail this. Yeah, but like you crushed yes. that. <laughs> Omnipotent. Omnipotent. No, the first one. You can't say. Omniscient. Atavism was served from us. Sorry, How did? You huh? did a great job severed. on atavism. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Got through a lot there. <laughs> great. Can we just talk about how this sounds? Like I'm reading like some freaking like ancient like or like Bible text. Imagine like, space elves. So this became this, and then this became this. It's like when you read those ones where it's talking about family members, and it's like, and so-and-so begets so-and-so, and so-and-so <laughs> begets so-and-so, and so-and-so had 11 children, and no, the lives of his years began blah, blah, blah. Well, I no, mean, this, they're this... having a... Sorry. Well, essentially, it is the Awoken's Bible. We shouldn't Wait. discuss this. This is supposed to be the edited portion of Sorry. her messing up. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that. I'll, I'll say that after. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was the fact that they were paranoid no. and they saw something coming, but all of humanity didn't. Yeah. Maybe give one second. We can edit out that. Okay, sorry. She got a hold of my mic. Um, I'm good okay. now. <laughs> you want to just start over? You didn't mute, so it was just a little. Yeah, I totally forgot for a second there. Top. Yeah. So why Do don't it we just again, Elemist? Let Elemist re. I want Mrs. Hyven here for this, so let me go check on her real quick to see if she's monitoring I'm the door. here. I'm just, like, freaking the fruit out. Oh, you okay? What's wrong? I don't know what's going on. I don't know if I need, like, food to calm my blood sugar. I also took my medicine late today, so that probably has something to do with it, but I'm feeling weird. Why don't we, why, why don't we finish this conversation and then take 10 or 15? Yeah, you can do that. 
Well, I'm going to give this a, a nice little talking point. You can kind of see what you think about it. So that, and see if you feel do it. Make sure I'm doing my conas. I'm doing one cona. Okay. That's when you just lift up cona and you just... Three conas. Nick's been doing that, that as his physical therapy. So I was working my neck. I was kind of... How's Callie doing? Is Callie okay? She's sleeping. Okay. Okay. Connor, we're going to be okay. You're so freaking cute. So freaking cute, man. I think I'm going to explode. Relax. Drink some water. Okay. (laughs) We're almost done, and then we will relax you, okay? Have a hot bath or something. You want to jump in my bath again? We've only got like one entry after this. Guys, guys, um, not guys. Kona jumped in my bath yesterday. And the bath water's taller than her. Yeah, that was interesting. I, like, ran in, grabbed the soaking wet puppy, and just dried it off. She was happy with herself, though. And he was like, what? I was like, she jumped in the tub. And he was like, what? And I was like, like, with me. Our other dog hates water, so she would never think of doing that. But this one just loves it. It's so weird. So different. But that's what I want. I wanted a dog. dog. She smelled nice because it smelled like like oils. Are you fighting the mic? Are you fighting the mic? Kona wants a toy. Because, you know, blush. (laughs) Dude, yeah. Do you like love it or no? Like, are you just like, what'd you get me into? This isn't that great. I've been trying to finish up the bottle that I've had. Like, yeah, that's what I'm doing too. Washing my hair like two or three times in a single shower. You're like, be gone. Just to get rid of it. Yeah, I had some some old stuff I'm just trying to get rid of, rid of so I can get back to a bar, yeah, too. Yeah, Ivan so. actually told me, yeah. like, yesterday, he was like, I'm so excited to get back to the bar. Easy. Yeah. All right. Well, do you feel a little bit more focused now? Got out your Kona love? Yes! I got Kona All right. toy. A little better, It's too. so fluffy! Sorry, that would, like, I, I broke the toy open. I was really excited. I just gave her the little baby lamb top and... I'm just excited oh, that Callie right. can't steal it from her. All There's right. only one speaker in it, so I'm going to try and hide the speaker. Yeah. So she can say. just nibble on the head. Now they're... Ro- <clears throat> We're so close. I know! When she was questioned, she spoke of a... F- <clears throat> Our queen is complicit. Complicit? Complicit. <laughs> You're doing great. We have we're so close. I know. I can see the end so right there. I can see the end. As always, we ask for feedback. Uh you can Oh wait, where where's <laughs> See you got me all flustered now. <laughs>